and we are live hello to all my guys gals and non-binary pals of audio and the youtube lands and welcome to another episode of the biconics wrestling podcast i'm so excited this is gonna be a fun episode i am your host one of your hosts mikey you, I am the founder of Vitry Productions, and I am the unofficial captain for this ragtag group of professional wrestling fanatics. You can follow me all over the social medias at Pop Culture Geek. You can also follow all of us collectively at Vitry Productions across the social medias and the YouTubes. You want to make sure to give us a follow and a subscribe in order to stay up to date on everything we got going on, especially this podcast, because we got a lot we're going to talk about. We're I'm excited for this episode because there's going to be some laughs. I'm going to be smiling. I'm going to be yelling at some people. It's going to be a good time. Par for the course here at the Biconics. But we're going to go around. I'm going to have my other co-hosts introduce themselves real quick. And then we're just going to jump into all the goodness that has been happening since our last official recorded episode. I have decided that eeny, meeny, miny, mo, Evan, you shall be the first to go. Game I wasn't ready. How's it going, guys? Hi, Mini Lost 2218, or known Evan, however you want to do it. I'm all the socials under that. You guys can find me, whatever. So follow us collectively, Biconos at Biconos1 on Twitter. We haven't made anything else yet. We're still working on that. I am also here. I run a Walk Among Gods, a DD game. I'm the one that runs that. I'm also on the Academy, but right now we're here for the B I Comics. Yeah. I really love it. Alrighty, let's keep it going. Next up, John. You already broke the rule, man. Oh, you broke the rule. I was trying not to. Here's here's, no. Next is John disappears. This is John. If you couldn't tell, I'm finding some technical difficulties because my laptop's catching on fire. My name's John. I'm on a handful of things here with the Vibe Tribe. I finally jumped on TikTok again. You can find me there if you know how to spell my last name. Good luck trying to figure that out. I'm um, excited to talk about a lot. We were discussing before we started how long it's been since we've been here to talk about and all the things that have happened. And there's a lot of opinions you're going to hear. And hopefully they're articulate and they make a lot of sense. So I'm excited to be here. And then, of course, last but certainly not least for this episode is Adolfo. What? Oh, that's some old school bushwhacker shit right there. My name is Adolfo the Nerdy Puerto Rican. Rest in uh, peace. Rest in peace, Bushwhackers. Rest in peace, Bushwhackers. <laughs> and you can see me here on the Vibe Track. Brave New Worlds, Divergence, Neon Memories, The Academy, and here, Biconics. Talking about the wrestling. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you have that LA Night disease? It just comes out of your mouth now? Yeah. It happened at WrestleMania with me and Uriel. We just it became a thing, and here we are now. Oh, so you've been dealing with this for weeks, then? Oh yeah, it's become yeah, it's, yeah, it's become their it's become their mating call. Apparently, <laughs> that's good to know. We would start know. yelling. We like every time that we said it at the superstore or at any arena. There's about 15 other people that also started doing it. I just realized though, I'm mad because I didn't yell a shoes once. No shooses, and I was mad that I didn't do it. It's like, shoot. I will say the column response game over the last few pay-per-views has been top-notch. Even Backlash, like some of that was, wow, well done. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to talk about that one. 
But unfortunately, we do need to address the elephant to the room. JVL is better than us, so he has other things that he thought he can do. So that is why he's not here tonight. Loser. No, I'm just kidding. No, JVL's <laughs> here because it's Mother's Day and he's doing the right thing. And we are yes. not. <laughs> See, I celebrate Mexican Mother's Day, so that was like not on a Sunday. <laughs> I had to negotiate with the wife to be like, can I go for a while to do this thing? Thank you. Happy Mother's Day. Bye. I would like to take this time as the Vibe Tribe founder to, if any of the spouses of our hosts or girlfriends or friends are listening to this podcast, I would like to thank you for letting me borrow your husbands, your boyfriends, your homies for a little bit every once in a while because they are amazing and I appreciate your time. And I promise when, if and when this thing takes off, I promise I will be taking more of their time. <laughs> Nah, that'll it's all do good. It. That'll do it, Mikey. Good job. Good job. That'll fix it. No, but in all seriousness, JVL is being a better man than I am and is celebrating at the time of this recording Mother's Day with his mother, which is beautiful. He'll, he said he'll send me pictures later. So I was just like, I can't wait. I see Mama JVL. It's going to be beautiful. But while he may or may not pop up in here later, depending on time, I don't want to rule that out yet. But Let's get into it. So we got a lot we're going to be talking about this episode. We're going to talk about Backlash that at the time of this recording happened like a week and a half ago or last week. Time is a blur, you guys. We're going to give our thoughts and opinions on Backlash. Then we're going to jump over to the land of AEW. We're going to talk about what's leading into Double or Nothing, AEW's next pay-per-view, or the lack of build to Double or Nothing because... Other than one match, there has yet to be a lot of things that have yet to be announced, and they always do this to the pay-per-views, and I'm like, you guys, I'm like, come on. And then we're going to talk about whatever else we feel like, but let's just jump right into it. All right, so I briefly want to touch upon this first before we get into the goodness at Backlash, because Backlash, I think, is in the general consensus among the hosts was pretty stellar. It was... It had no right to be as great as it was because no. I was going into it. Oh, it's a filler pay-per-view. It's going to be whatever. And then it exceeded my expectations. And I was like, gosh, dang it. I honestly, as of right now, it is somewhere in my top three pay-per-views of this year. And it's only halfway through the year. Well, it had that same energy of WrestleMania night one, right? Like it was fired up, at least from, to me. You were there, so you're biased. But at least for feeling... The energy come through the screen and the crowd and everything else and everything playing off. I admit I didn't watch it all in one sitting. I was working out at the gym and I was like, oh yeah, I'll put Backlash on. And then 45 minutes went by and I was no longer doing my workout. I was watching Backlash. <laughs> wow, never going to get ripped if I'm watching ripped people. So I took a break and came back to it. But that, was the, that same energy was there and it was palpable. It was really impressive. It was so good. <laughs> and I think that the general consensus around the wrestling news media sphere is the same that it was outstanding i know that in we land it is the number one i think the number one most watched backlash they broke records on that it was the number one most attended backlash they broke records on that but the proof is in the pudding in that week and a half after backlash not only us but other wrestling outlets are still talking about backlash it was backlash was really awesome and we're gonna get into it because 
I had some I had I may or may not have cried at certain parts of Backlash and I'll get into those reasons. If, if you weren't crying after <laughs> yeah, there's certain moments where if you weren't crying you had no soul. Come on. The, the storytelling is... was so good. It was awesome and you know what? This pay-per-view was great for a lot of people. This pay-per-view gave a lot of shine to people we normally don't see on these cards. <laughs> and every it was a good I don't even want to say it was a good coming out party because they've been wrestling for a very long time. It's just now that they got the spotlight and they showed it was great. But before we get to backlash, we do need to talk about the elephant in the room. And there's another elephant. Where's two elephants in this room? There were two different elephants, one on a Friday night, one on a Monday night. And yeah, let's just go into it. Go ahead. Go get him. Go get angry. Get angry. Go get him, Mikey. (laughs) We're going to talk about it because if you listen to the last two episodes prior to this one, you were listening to our live commentary in the middle of the WWE draft in which the brand split was happening. Not even. We're already having oh. issues and it's barely three, two, not even a week out from the draft and we're already having problems. <laughs> but for those of you who are like, what's a WWE draft? The short answer is you really don't want to know, but we're here. We it is our obligation to tell you. So, the WWE draft is like any sports draft in which the superstars are either drafted to Raw or SmackDown, and in some cases get can become a free agent, which is just the WWE's way of saying we don't have anything for you, so we're going to figure out what we're going to do, or you're going to job, or you're going to be enhancement talent for a lot of these stars. So go figure. So night one happened on the SmackDown and night two happened on Raw in which after both nights were done. And if you didn't watch the listen to the last two episodes, there are many questions I have. Go ahead, Duffo. <laughs> oh, I was just going to interject. I found out the real reason, the business reason why they do the draft. I don't. Do, did you guys do you guys know or? Ooh, go ahead. There's a business reason for it to be boring as it is. There is a business reason as to why they do the why they did the draft. So the reason why they do the draft is because you have Monday Night Raw, which is on the USA Network. USA Network, and then you have SmackDown, which is on Fox. And when the WE was negotiating these shows to be on the air, they started to complain. Because they didn't want the the really good talent to just be on one show and not another show. Because it's not just the WWE that's making money off of this. It's also the, the networks that's making money off of this. So what they did was they instituted the draft so that you had a even split of superstars on each show. Which makes sense. And then we're already seeing that they're having issues keeping. They're like, oh, these brands are going to be separate. No, they're not because we already have issues as it is now. And we're not even a week out from the draft. I feel like there's going to be it's going to make waves and it's going to the writers got to catch up and the storyline's got to catch up. And I'm totally okay with that. And I get it. My issue was if you're going to have a draft and you're going to try and make it like an NFL draft, how they have four days of coverage and everything else. You have to have presenters who care about what they're presenting. You and had not some, have the cards upside down. <laughs> you had um, the cards upside down and at least make a showing of it. That Sell it. Like, 
Shawn Michaels looked bored, and I love you, Shawn, but uh, you, if you're going to read off a card, maybe I think it... to tell you what you're reading before you try to read it. Everyone just, a lot of folks just look like, oh, yeah, I'm here to announce this thing. Yay, I'm in Jacksonville. It's like, why? If, if, you're not enthusiastic, if you're not enthusiastic about it, then why should we care? That's very true. They couldn't sell it. And the audience, a, few, a lot of times, fell flat until someone was announced or everything else. And I think some of the matches those nights suffered. All the, the matches became filler as opposed to being oh, no, the moment absolutely. sort of thing. That was that's a hard sell. Like that, yeah, that's clunky. It didn't go off the way I think it should have. I don't think that they even wanted to do the draft to begin with. That's what I think why everybody was like, "Eh, fuck this." What they should do is make it a real draft and send them to North Korea. I'm kidding. What they need to do is make it a draft. Wow. <laughs> they need to. They Damn. Need to make it, they need to make it a draft where it's it is legit unexpected. You're like, okay, fine. Maybe That's how they used to do it. Like when Undertaker got drafted to SmackDown that one time and threw a fit in the background. Nobody knew he was going. Like people don't know. That's the thing. If you, we either got to raise the stakes, or you need to make all these folks buy into that world of the draft and the thing, and this is a possibility. And then I know it. Like I don't want to see something like the New Day split up. I don't want to see groups and factions that are carrying a lot of weight get, not that New Day is right now, but like, I don't want to see that stuff split completely. But at the same time, you got to do, if you're going to try and sell me this NFL draft, first pick, second pick stuff, then I want to see negotiations. I want to see war room stuff. I want to see agents call and chat. I want to see wrestlers get upset about this. I want to see trade picks. I want to say Rod has jumped from this pick to that pick. I want to see it get a little heated, maybe, instead of just, hi, right, I'm going to read off a card because I, I, I don't paid know. money. That's, I love that idea. I just don't know how well they can pull it off with only three brands. They like, did it with two brands back in the early 2000s when they... But it wasn't like that. Like, mm -hmm. John wants it to be like almost an NFL feel to the draft. What makes it like, yeah, you can have the war rooms and you can have some of that discussion. It's just going to be... Oh, I yeah, you, Raw has traded his second pick to get the third pick. He's picking yeah. next. What? There's I only three, you gotta, three brands. I agree. I think you got to dial into what Adolfo was saying and have, and this would never happen, but it would, I would watch, have a USA executive and a Fox executive, and one is represented by this talent person, one of them is represented by this talent person, yep. and go, who do we want? We're trying to trade up for someone right now. Who are you trying to get? We're trying to get this and this. Have you been on the phone with anybody? Even if it's and scripted. Then... Even if it's scripted, I don't care. Yep. Yeah. Sell me sell me the fact that something is at stake. And again, this would never happen, but I would also like it to work like a triangle because Raw and SmackDown will get into the list in a little bit. They called up a lot of the NXT kids now that are on the main roster. But if you want to make it more interesting, be like, okay, these superstars are going to be sent to NXT for a little bit to try. And it's exactly. just, exactly. It's, to me, being sent to NXT is not a death sentence. I view it as if you're main roster superstar being sent to nxt i view it like how a lot of the japanese promotions do like they send their japanese wrestlers to america on excursions to learn different style and to develop their characters and it's not a punishment because then when they come back oh my gosh it's a difference of night and day because they learn from all the different wrestling companies and things that they do so i feel like if you treat it going to nxt that way it's just hey so you're a veteran. We're going to put you against the new kids so you can teach them, but also maybe learn some things and just be down there, like all that stuff. Because like when Finn, I mean, towards the end of Black and Gold, but when Finn came back down and what, like won the championship, that re 
I mean, he's in Judgment Day now, and I think it took me a while to get used to that. But Finn Balor in his second title reign in NXT was amazing. <laughs> like, it revitalized because he was getting lost in the shuffle. And for me, it revitalized him. But speaking of the draft, so I'm not going to go over who got picked in round one. We're just going to go through the whole thing real quickly and then get everyone's thoughts and things like that. <laughs> So after the draft, here is where everything stands. So on the Raw men's roster, which is going to have the World Heavyweight Championship, which we'll talk about that in a hot second, because that's also a shit show. Oh, the and brain I also title? Have... The title that looks like a brain? Yes. I yeah. also have some questions. It's the Krang title. <laughs> it's the Krang title. I also have some very deep and troubling questions after what I sent to us at the end of Friday. I was like, I have questions about this match happening at Night of Champions, but we'll talk about it in a little bit. So, the Raw men's roster includes Cody Rhodes, Gunther, Matt Riddle, Drew McIntyre, The Miz, Shinsuke Nakamura, Dexter Loomis, Apollo Crews, JD McDonough, so Apollo and JD coming up from NXT, Seth, Bronson Reed, Johnny Gargano, Akira Tozawa, Riddick Moss, Jinder Mahal coming back from NXT and then Honesty Jones being called up from NXT. On the women's division for Raw, you have Becky. While she's no longer the NXT Women's Champion now, but Indy Hartwell from NXT got called up. Candice LeRae, Natalia, Zoe Stark getting called up from NXT. Your Women's SmackDown Champion, Rhea Ripley, is now on Raw. Cool. Trish Stratus, Dana Brooke, Nikki Cross, Piper Niven, Zia Lee, Tegan Knox, and Emma. On the Raw Women's Tag Division, yeah, who I give credit to whoever broke it down between like singles, tag divisions, all that. Your Women's Tag Division on Raw includes Sonya Deville and Chelsea Green, Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez, who are your current Women's Tag Team Champions, Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler, and from NXT, Katana Chance and Caden Carter. On the Raw Men's Tag Division, this is actually what I'm interested in. You have the Viking Raiders with Valhalla, the Maximel Models, Sammy and KO, The Judgment Day, The New Day, Ricochet and Braun Strowman, Alpha Academy, Angel Garza and Humberto Carrillo, and Indisher. And then that is the Raw side, so we'll get into that in a little bit. Now going over to SmackDown. The men's division for SmackDown is Roman Reigns, Solo Sokoa, Edge, Bobby Lashley, AJ Styles, Austin Theory, Karrion Cross with Scarlett, LA Knight, Rick Boogs. From NXT, Cameron Grimes, and also from NXT, Grayson Walla. Which, by the way, I feel like SmackDown is using their NXT talent almost immediately, which is great. In the women's division for SmackDown, this is crazy because there's not that many you have bianca who is your current bianca belair who's the current raw women's championship you have mia yim lacey evans charlotte flair oscar shotzi and tamina that's it in the smackdown women's tag division you have damage control your current nxt women's tag team champion alba fires and isla dawn and that's it in the men's division, you have the Street Profits, the Good Brothers, Hit Row, the Usos, the LWO, the Brawling Brutes, and now from NXT, the Yes Boys, Pretty Deadly. And then, finally, your free agents who are allowed to be on both brands because of reasons. Omos with MVP, Mustafa Ali, Dolph Ziggler from NXT, Von Wagner, Brock Lesnar, Baron Corbin, Shelton Benjamin, and Cedric Alexander. Elias and from also from NXT Zion Quinn. So 
let's just talk about the one thing that stands out to me. What the fuck is happening with this women's title situation? <laughs> you have the opposite champions on the opposite brand, and we have still yet to get an explanation of what the hell we're doing. And it looks like mm-hmm. I'm gonna look again. It, I, as you read off the names, I was reminded. It looks like one of them is way more stacked than the other. If I'm not. It, uh... Raw women's division has more women on it. SmackDown's women division only has. So I'm seven trying to pull up women. Yeah, seven it's, it's women in a, the singles division. Such a smaller pool when you say it that way, and it's, you you don't have a lot of room there. The bright side is we get to see Shotzi more in SmackDown. Hey, Shotzi. She's. We're gonna see her. Yeah, that's true. We're gonna see her. We're gonna see her a lot more and lose a lot. Fortunately, uh, could, could that be the reason that they just want to push those seven more to give him more slots? But I don't feel like they're just gonna give up time. Honest. Okay, so I'm excited and I'm still confused, but I'm excited because it seems that Bianca and Asuka are going to be fighting again. So I'm not upset about that. But I'm fine with that. Totally fine with that. I will be okay with this short build because I think we're probably going to get them at Night of Champions, if not at SummerSlam or even Money in the Bank. But my only point of contention for this whole build again is Asuka needs to win this one. Because if they have her lose again, that's it. Asuka, I'm like, girl, we need you need to get out of there. Yeah, especially I, when Asuka. Go ahead, Aldolfo. Go ahead. No, I, I, it's the whole all the freaking titles in WWE right now is just kind of like, gay? but the women's title specifically. And I know we're gonna get to it, but to me, Backlash was the perfect opportunity for for what well, the SmackDown. Yeah, the SmackDown title to go back to SmackDown. And then you could have Rhea Ripley go after Bianca Belair, who we know she already, because they've already faced off. They haven't had a match, but they've they faced off. And Rhea Ripley said that she's coming for that title. Then you open that up for, for that. And then Rhea Ripley could win the title, the Raw title, and she's on Raw. And then it just organically you have, I hope that didn't pop my mic too much. But organically, you have the titles back where they're supposed to be. But yeah, now it's like, what? I can't remember. Is Asuka a free agent? No, she's been drafted to SmackDown. You see, again, like, if she's on the blue brand and Bianca's on the blue brand, why do they have the red belt? That's where my question is, because you have... I can explain it in three words. Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's the, honestly, that's the simplest explanation, but that's also the explanation that make, irritates me. Yeah. So here's what I was thinking. I was yes, thinking I men. wanted... <laughs> yes. We will have these women wrestle. What do you think, little Vince? I think if we only have seven of them, we only have seven. Yes. But they will still be scantily clad and it will be wonderful. Except, and then the one with the face on the thing. We'll put a face on her face. That's right. Yo, but, uh, and then we'll I, only give one woman's match a whole entire, like, every episode. What's hard, yeah. and this is something that, this is more of a meta sports thing, any sport that has a title in general. It, boxing shot itself in the foot in the early 80s when they introduced 30 t- titles for each weight class and took a cue from wrestling. 
and UFC does this and MMA and other promotions like that titles tend to mean nothing. The last place it seems that titles matter is in professional wrestling, which is hilarious. And I agree with what you're saying. To arbitrarily throw them around this way and to make just this cluster bleep of a situation with storylines and whatever else and what am I following and does it matter and does it not matter? It's going to get... It's really hard to untangle now. So you're going to turn off casual fans who want to see heel face champion contender, first contender, this contender. I want to be able to follow it to a degree. And it's okay to break the mold, but do you know why you're breaking it and where you're going with it? And if Asuka doesn't win a freaking title, I'm going to lose my shit. I think they're going to, I think they're just holding off to the night of champions. That's where we're going to be like, everything's going to fix itself. They're going to be like, no, you're supposed to have this belt. Now you get this belt, not this belt. This belt goes over here. The, 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 everything's back where it needs to go. They actually officially push the brand split post night of champions. I think it's going to be, and they're just going to arbitrarily hand it to you. Like, Oh, this is yours. Oh, you should take this. Oh no. Can I get that one? No. Nah. Or oh, I don't think they're, I think they're going to do some sort of, I don't want another title spot. Champions. I think they're going to do some sort of, like, I think they might just redo all the belts to begin with and just be like, this is SmackDown's now. This is women's now we're redesigning. them. this is now different. Yeah. Unifying. Roman Reigns' belt, so there's only a single belt. Oh, we'll um, talk about Roman in a little bit. I'm so unifying the tag titles, so there's only a single tag belt. So I, I do not I, want to see Roman Reigns walk around with four fucking belts. Yeah, I, I feel in regards to the belts, the only belt that they have done correctly is the NXT belt, Women's Championship belt, where she, you know, she went in and she gave it up because she got called up and she left it in the middle of the ring. And then she got carried off by her husband. That was, See, that was fantastic. And that now, also is another thing. I was like, why are the NXT women's champions have the titles on SmackDown? Like, what is happening? Because they're going to turn those into the SmackDown women's tag team titles. And they're going to bring new belts into NXT. And uh. what sucks is NXT, in my, I haven't watched a lot of NXT, but what I've caught up on, because Mikey is a devotee and converted me to the cult. I'll fill you in. It's relatively... I don't want to say simple because I don't mean simple like it's simple. I mean, it's straightforward. Like we're going point A to point B to point C. Look at the upset point. Like it's moving forward. Fans can follow that relatively quicker. So in a way, and particularly because it's a developmental quote unquote league and we're fostering this talent, those belts mean something to NXT because they're hungry. They want the opportunity. So they're fighting Mm -hmm. for those belts. Those belts mean something there. And this is just me. I would like to think, and I have a hunch that if you're an NXT champion and you've been drafted up into WWE, into Raw or whatever else, you're looked at as something special by everyone in those other brands. Yeah, you're down in NXT and you earned it because that's where I earned it. That's where I came from. There's something a little more there. See, the uh, problem, yeah, the problem is with the NXT Women's Tag Team Championships, You, they literally just called up the only two legit female tag teams that they have. Because right. there's like none left. I don't know. It's weird. That division in NXT and just make it a single woman division. Which would be fine because there's enough women in the NXT roster to have a good singles program, not outside with the title and even not with the title. There's a lot of women. Yeah, and you know what? We talked. We talked about this off camera. We mentioned what John says is Shawn Michaels not caring. You want to know he probably why he didn't care? Because like the last time we did the WWE draft main roster just gutted a lot of the nxt nxt stars got called up and like the last time they had to throw away plans because these stars are no longer involved i'm not gonna lie 
I think it was smart. And I don't know what kind of behind the scenes things that were going on, but I was shocked. But I was also pleasantly surprised that they I for sure thought they were going to call Braun Breaker up to main roster. I was You know what it is now? I think it's purely because Vince is there and he doesn't want a Steiner. I would not be surprised, which means probably Braun staying in NXT for a good chunk. I'm interested to see what happens after Battleground, but yeah, the draft was a thing. There's lots of questions. I'm more um, mad that Roman and Cody got supported up because those two were supposed to be fucking fighting each other at SummerSlam for the belts. Yeah. Wait, say that again? What happened? Was it Ro- Roman's on SmackDown? Cody's on Raw, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Those two were supposed to be the ones going up against each other come SummerSlam for the belts after Roman beats his thousand day mark. But no, WWE is just going to have Cody beat Seth Rollins for his belt, and it's just going to be a bunch of bullshit. So yeah. Roman can have the belts and beat Superman at WrestleMania 74. <laughs> That's what I'm wondering is that I don't think that I wonder how many of these are actually wrestling decisions and how many of these are like USA versus Fox decisions, Aldolfo was saying. Are these people that are like, I want this talent, that talent, and anyone who's auditioned or knows advertising or marketing people they don't know what they want they're just throwing darts all the time (laughs) they're looking for money money or how much is also what is that i think whale blue whale or whale inc now i think it's the name of the company that the official name of the company that owns ufc and oh sure right that thing i wonder how much yeah they changed their name i wonder how much of the say they had also in all these random changes which is and there's so much money in the pots not making wrestling or storytelling decisions that for all for us trying to decipher who's going where and why it was like no i gave you this x amount of money figure it out that doesn't okay but then your product's gonna suffer for a while it's gonna be really weird for a while particularly if you're doing a draft every year is this every year they do this no and i'm thankful not the last time we had the draft was like what 20 Honestly, I think the last time we had a draft was like 20... Was it 26? Yeah, 2016, probably. Okay, so it's been a while. It's been a very long while. But you see, when they, they did the draft in 2016, like they legit actually kept all the stars split, and then that's when we had the brand-specific pay-per-views. That was also... 2016 SmackDown was like the goaded SmackDown because that SmackDown right. was so fucking good. Right. You know what? I, here's my conspiracy theory on why they're doing this. Video games. Yeah. So here's the thing. Money there. That is WWE, money. their contract is with 2K, but now since they're under the same company as the UFC, they want to switch their contract to EA. So they're going to bring, because EA does UFC games, so now they're switching it to SmackDown Raw so they can bring back EA SmackDown versus Raw. Oh shit, that makes way too much sense. You're probably right. Oh, but man. they're gonna EA's gonna fuck it up. E- EA's gonna, gonna make gonna it terrible. It's gonna be transactions. Uh, You're gonna be doing an elbow drop, and then halfway down, it's gonna go three ninety nine to connect. <laughs> oh man, I really hope that's not true. Oh uh, man, e- the, I came I play- up with it just now, so I don't. <laughs> I haven't said anything. This is all my brain thinking. Because you were touched by the Holy Spirit, and it's probably <laughs> true. That's how it came out of nowhere. Little Vince poked me the leg and just got the idea. No. The ghost of Dusty Rhodes just flew into you and went, I'm going to tell you something. Kind of going back to something that John said, though, like this, but in in the like 1930s and 40s and 50s, the reason why there were so many wrestling title belts is because each 
each conference, each wrestling thing was it was its own thing. So that's why you had all these belts. Now that for all for all intents and purposes, WWE is the monopoly. You don't. I feel you don't need the brand specific belts. If you're gonna have the red brand, you're gonna have the blue brand. Have them rest, wrestle it off, and then whoever the best is in each brand, make them the number one contender. So then coming into into WrestleMania, they go for the big gold. The, uh, that idea is cool. The problem is though, then it's gonna be hard for them to push other pay-per-views because now you don't have those big belts up for grabs but sometimes you don't be, yeah sometimes right? you don't so need the belt doing, i think their plan is they're going to do band, brand specific pay-per-views oh that's so much wrestling i think that's what they're planning is so they're adding more and more pay-per-views slowly yeah. to increase yeah. schedule so i think they're going to do brand specific ones so they need a big belt on each brand yep money's there i can see it it, it not in my opinion as much as i love women's tag team i think it's really interesting and really cool to see it there's not it, enough it, tag teams. <laughs> there, there should, it should, on all reality, it only should be the main belt, the mid-card belt, and a woman's belt. That should be it on each brand. That's it. So if you look at some of the breakdowns that folks have for the draft, not to go full rabbit hole on this, they literally have, like, overall pick and round and brand pick. And I agree with Adolfo when Adolfo's saying, and it's not that I'm just, I don't mean to sound like I'm shitting on having all kinds of belts, but if you're going to do that... Unify the belts like Adolfo saying, and then give me ranks, rank weight classes. Give me a one through twenty, a one through ten. Have a ten Did compete I... with the two and try to move up in the rank. Like not none of AEW do that the... for a while. That was like their big thing. Uh, AEW for a very long time had the rankings, and yeah. that's how they determined who would get title shots and everything. And wow, that was also a mess. At least it made sense in the context of a lot of things. And, and there were still some questionable moments, but it worked and it made sense. And you could, but you can use that for fodder for stories, right? You can have a three fight a four or a ten underdog a two and like all crazy stuff like that. And it makes sense. But you got to do it and you have a way to do it right. But then you don't need a hundred belts. Like how the NCAA has a hundred bowl games. Like you don't need all kinds of weird shit bowls. Right. Ghostbusters (laughs) proton pack bowl. I'm just looking at things in my room and all that one I would probably watch. Me too, but, honestly. <laughs> as I said that, I was like, that would be fantastic. But, but anything that kind of unifies it, and then I think the draft works a little better. Because now you're giving opportunities to other folks. Now you have a reason to call them a free agent because they're actually a free agent. NXT talent that's unsigned gets signed on that day. You have a signing day. If you're going to do it, go fully. Ah. It's... And honestly, I think it was because the stench of the draft that made me like have, I don't want to say low expectations, but it definitely had me not feeling backlash because the draft happened like literally the last, the second night of the draft happened the, about six days before backlash happened on that Monday night raw. So the second night of the draft was the go home raw show for the backlash and then the fo- a couple days later on Friday was the go home show for Friday for SmackDown, the go home show for Backlash. And again, the draft just put a bad taste in my mouth. I think it was funny as hell content, as you heard from our last two episodes, because it was just us talking about it and just hanging out and watching. But overall, it made me not excited for Backlash. And then, which we're going to get into right now, 
backlash ended up being so much better than it actually had any right to be and i don't want to say my expectations were low but holy shit after the debacle of the draft i was like they're gonna fuck this pay-per-view up and i'm just like you know what this is a filler pay-per-view so it's just like it's gonna be whatever like at least it gives me content look at how dark it was right you had vince came back and blew wrestlemania night 2 Raw and SmackDown have been in a tailspin. You had the stench of the draft, which is a great phrase you just threw out there. The merger news happening too. All these things happening and buyouts and other things. And there's rumors and that was the other thing. Rumors and whispers backstage and this event and that thing and folks are talking. So Morale is low at one. Yeah. Contract disputes, people threatening to leave because Vince was back. And part of me going in was like, I feel bad for... San Juan and the con- and I almost said country that would have been bad and Puerto Rico <laughs> just to be like yeah I felt bad I was like oh now they got this gimme pay-per-view yeah here we'll throw you a bone and it turned out to be something pretty special oh heck yes so let's get into part two of this episode and let's talk about backlash alrighty so backlash out, oh go ahead I just want to put out a disclaimer Hence my title, The Nerdy Puerto Rican. I am from Puerto Rico. I was born in Puerto Rico, so I am super biased to, to Backlash. So I just I just want that out there so that the, our beautiful listeners in Finland or Canada or whatever, when they hear my thoughts, they understand where I'm coming from. Thank you. Yes, I will put my bias out there, too. As someone who is considered a mutt because I am Mexican and Puerto Rican, I might or may not have a bias towards this because my people showed out for this pay-per-view. But let's get into the beginning parts of this. So, Backlash happened on Saturday, May 6, 2023, hailing from Rico Jose Miguel Ar... Coming from the beautiful city of San Juan, Puerto Rico. So, yes, this is where the Spanish is going to come out, so deal with it. Okay, so... Let me just paint you this picture. So the pay-per-view you gotta, opens. You got to warm up to it. Is that what's happening? You got to psych yourself out? No, because I'm thinking about how much fun it was and how proud of being half Puerto Rican it made me that I'm trying to get into it. I'm also preparing myself to cry a little bit as we talk about this. <laughs> but let me paint you this picture, right? So I want WWE to do more of this, but they opened the pay-per-view with a fucking beautiful drone shot flying into the arena And then the lights go on and shows the whole entire crowd in that Coliseum. And that was a beautiful shot. So I want WWE, if you ever find this podcast, we want you to do more of that because that was fucking cool as shit. And if you find this podcast, we're sorry about the dick thing. Moving on. (laughs) Nah, this is what got us on the map. And I'm pretty sure people would find that funny. They just can't verbally say it if they work for WWE. We're not going to blast to Puerto Rico if we keep doing the dick thing, though. That's very true. What? Listen, if we... It's a risk Never we're mind. willing to take. Yes, it's a risk we're willing <laughs> <Yeah>. to take. <laughs> Carry on. That, o- that opening drone shot was amazing. It was beautiful. And it. I knew something magical was going to happen. And sure enough, that magic kicked off with a bang. Because we opened up Backlash with Bianca Belair versus EO Sky for the... <laughs> And again, I might still have problems with them being on SmackDown, but they're fighting. They were fighting for the Raw Women's Championship. Let me tell you, I was not prepared for how many boos I heard for Bianca, which blew my mind. I understand, but to hear it, I was like, oh, damn. 
And then the crowd was so behind EO during the whole entire match. It, ooh, it was so good. Mira, I don't know if EO Sky and Damage Control was like out front of the Coliseum fucking handing out a Rukungandulis or some shit, but I could not believe how over she was in that match. It was, I was shocked. Yeah, why, do you know the history of why Bel Air was booed or taken seriously? I have no idea. See, I can only speculate. I feel like Bianca, because she's had, Bianca has held that Raw Women's title for a whole year now. Like, she's beaten Becky Lynch's record, and she currently is the longest reigning women's champion for the Raw title in WWE history. So I think Bianca, and she's not quite there yet, but my speculation is because Bianca wins every single match and she beats every woman on the roster, we're getting onto the levels of John Cena wins LOL vibes. And and honestly, like, it's not Bianca's fault. I'm not, like, I never put blame on the talent. Like, they're booking her to continue this long reign because right now WWE excuse my language, but WWE has a hard-on for records right at the moment, because we'll talk about Roman Reigns in a little bit, because um, I have questions, and I have concerns. But, yeah, it was so interesting to hear Bianca get booed and EO get cheered, and they actually had a good match. They didn't get cut time. It was 18 minutes. It was, was 18 say, fucking like, they, minutes. They went full 20 minutes. Like, nothing yeah. happened. That was fantastic. I, I also think, speaking as... I think that EO, because she is more like high flying and stuff like that, and culture culturally, that's the type of wrestling that not just Puerto, Puerto Ricans, but that's the like the luchador and, and uh, lucha libre and whatnot. That's it's that's the type of show that they want. So when they saw EO Sky going and doing all these things, because I I feel like the first time. EO really got the crowd behind her was I think when she did one of her first like high techni technical moves coming off one of the ropes and that's when the crowd was really like yeah you know what I mean so I think that's why EO got a lot got over more with the crowd than Bianca oh yeah I will I okay uh, let's just talk about the crowd real quick and we'll continue on when we're talking about the match listen American audiences like you need to understand it. and I saw a video of someone like giving it their opinion, but it made so total sense. I was like, we as wrestling fans in America have been spoiled because we get a lot of access to the WWE, AEW, Impact. Like there's so many promotions that we have access to and access to all these shows that not a lot of the international audiences get to experience those these major corporations. So I want all of the American audiences to take fucking note because that's how a crowd needs to be for anything, a pay-per-view, a regular show, even a house show. That's the level that we need to aspire to be in America because, my God, the crowd in that fucking Coliseum in Puerto Rico turned out and showed up, and it was so freaking awesome. Sorry, I got passionate. Let's continue. <laughs> no, bottle that shit. That's fantastic. Keep going. <laughs> and I think it, that energy carried through this entire match because then, like, Bianca was more aggressive this match than I have seen her in quite some time. 
since she was getting booed like a heel, she was starting to slowly act like a heel. I was like, you know what? I could get with this. I was just going to say that I'm, I have a segment of it up on my phone as I'm watching it. The moment, which is classy, the moment she starts getting booed, she starts throwing heel turns right at him and waving her finger and barking at him a little bit. Did you like that? Did you see that? Throwing it, That was really smart. And then it really sets up the ending of this match, which now is, oh, where are you going to go with damage control? What are you thinking? Yeah, but before we get into the ending, I think my favorite spot of this whole match is when Io goes up to try to hurricanrana Bianca Belair oh, yeah. off the top rope, but then Bianca keeps her there, and then Io tries again, but Bianca doesn't let, and she does a fucking powerbomb from the top of the turnbuckle with Io to the mat, and I'm just like, oh, God, what was that? <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that one looked like a hurt. My, my favorite part of the match was when Bianca was, was out of the ring. And Eos guy went up and did the 450. I thought that was sweet. Listen, Eo, Eo is so great. Her moon salts, her when she does these. This is the Eo that was in NXT that I fell in love with, and I feel like since her call up from SummerSlam of last year, she really hasn't had a chance to channel that. And to and honestly, I hope SmackDown push. I mean, because we know that damage control is going to break up eventually. We just don't know whether it's coming soon or coming a little bit later. But they need to push EO to the moon because she proved herself and why Triple H signed her to NXT to begin with. The other, thing, was, I, the other thing I just want to really point out very quickly is with... Let me... Hang on. Let me chew first. As he chooses food. Yeah, but I, yeah. I, I caught from the U.S. title picture forward, so I didn't really catch this match yet. I haven't had a chance to catch up on it yet. Sounds like a great match, though. I'm telling you, Minnie, when you get a chance, please go back, because I think this is prob this is EO's best on the main roster. And I'm going to be honest, this is probably Bianca's best match in the last couple of months, too, because they were given time. Yeah. <laughs> Something I just want to point out really, really quick. Uh, the... And Mikey, I know you hate it. You hate this word. But the Latin American wrestling viewers, one thing that's really prominent in Latin America and wrestling is the whole face-heel thing. There's always a good guy and there's always a bad guy. There's no, unlike, in, which it seems like it's more a U.S. thing where you have some people that are like gray when they're like teetering back and forth between babyface, not babyface, not babyface. There's a, you're always going to have a good guy and a bad guy. And the Latin American crowds, they're always going to cheer for the good guy and they're always going to boo the bad guy. But the booing is not a, it's not a bad thing. That is their cheering for the bad guy. So that, and, and that's a cultural thing. I'm not sure if a lot of people re know that. So yeah, uh, I'm, I'll bring this up again later on because I, yeah. So, I've heard that, and I don't. I know they, they mentioned this briefly. I'm glad that you say that. They mentioned this briefly on Tough Enough way back in the day when they were doing the WWE shows, and then also when I used to watch Lucha stuff and other things. Booing, if booing is still, it's the same feel. It's the same reason. If they don't like you, it's silent, and they and 
the Latin American community or whatever, wherever you're watching your wrestling or house shows or other things, it's a choice to make no noise. You've done messed up somewhere. They do not like you. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of no noise, right? I'm going to go on a side tangent and then we'll get back to this. But here we go. Raw... Here we go. Here we go. Because I have a bone to pick with the raw crowd that was there after Backlash. That raw crowd, I have a bone to pick with you because we got an amazing crowd in Puerto Rico. And that was amazing. And it made the whole pay-per-view so amazing. And then y'all were fucking quiet during Raw the entire time. No cheers, no booze, no nothing. And I'm sitting here. I was just like, damn. I was like, you guys suck. Like, I know some crowds like to try to hijack the show. But this was like, if indifferent, what if the definition of indifferent was like a physical embodiment, it was that crowd. <laughs> I went and watched it after y'all were texting me and I saw it on Twitter. Did something happen? I watched like 20, 30 minutes of it and it was a meh raw to me anyway. But it was dead silent. There was nothing happening. <laughs> wow, what? Why? That's so weird. That was Jacksonville, right? Yeah, I'm just like, I'm like, America, Jacksonville. I know Jacksonville is the home center for AEW, but some people were trying to speculate, be like, oh, it's an AEW crowd. Of course, they're not going to cheer. I'm like, oh, bullshit. Is that That's why? A no, bunch of I don't even fans think bought tickets to not cheer. <laughs> I don't think that even happened. I just think this crowd just sucked in general. But Florida is always weird. <laughs> I'm going to say the joke again. They were limp like a biscuit. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Jacksonville zone. Limp biscuit. <laughs> rocking the shadows like Quick New Bethlehem. Oh, 1999 and Jinko jeans. That was an easier, simpler time. Not the Jinko jeans. <laughs> I never had them because I couldn't afford them. <laughs> yeah, track. Let's continue. <laughs> but tangent over. So the ending of this opening match. So Bianca is on the ground as Io. At this point, damage control has come out. So Dakota Kai and Bailey come out. And honestly, I dig the neon color scheme that they were going with. That's neither here nor there. But it start the whole chain of events that happened. So Bianca picks up EO as she's getting ready to do the KOD. He's that Dakota and Bailey try to run interference. And then she uses EO to, as like a battering ram to hit them off of the. She hits Dakota off of the apron. She goes and tries to hit Bailey, but misses. And this in, a, in turn gives EO the chance to escape and get Bianca to the ground. And as EO is going up to do her moonsault finisher, Bailey gets the be good idea, the smart idea, get Bianca's braid, pull it, and pin it to the mat with her arm. The referee sees this. EO's like, what the hell, Bailey? Which gives Bianca a chance to knock EO off, put her in the KOD, and then pin her for a one, two, three to retain the Raw Women's Championship. The cracks are starting to show in damage control. I thought that was brilliant storytelling. I thought that was super smart as I watched it. Because I liked watching the cracks show, obviously, but they fought so hard to get to justify this weird turn of an ending. I thought that was really cool. That was a smart idea. Damage control is on SmackDown, isn't it? Yeah, so damage control is on SmackDown with Bianca. It sounds like it's going to be a, a quick breakup so they can make that 7 go to 10. That would actually be really good. Make that seven women on the SmackDown be ten. I think that's why they only drafted seven indi like individual women to the brand because they're planning on breaking up damage control sooner to up that number to ten. Yeah. That Holy Spirit is still talking to you. I think you're right. I think that makes total sense. 
whatever, you know what it is, John? It's whatever compelled you to say that Shane McMahon was going to return at WrestleMania is now talking through me. It's You just read the tea leaves. You just conjure up wrestling tarot cards, and you just talk to the stars. You will find your way. I'm drawing in pen on this paper, and I'm seeing it in the ink. Oh, the old Nostradamus trick. Good for you. Okay, that's fine. It's like that scene in 300 when they go when they go to the oracles and the girls all like in that slow motion scene except not <laughs> no less female good knowledge that's fantastic <laughs> yeah, that's, that's... go mikey, mikey go take the reins go mikey he's, he's go muted, he's muted again yep you're muted again quick someone make a little vince joke quick let's talk about jinko jeans while mikey's muted that way we can take no one. We will never oh, talk back. about yeah. Chinko jeans. Never again. 1999 never. is dead and gone. The war of 1996. Hey, and the Chinko. Y'all were texting in the chat like, oh, Minnie wasn't even around. I was like, oh, I was born in 98. I'm not that young. I'm not. That's right. We tried to give you shit because it was ah, like, he wasn't yeah. even a thought yet. You were born before the war of Hot Topic. <laughs> when malls of America were wearing. This is a tangent. Don't let me do it. Speaking of Hot Topic and outfits, right? So. After that opener of a match, the drip god, as I call him himself, the next match of Backlash was Seth freaking Rollins versus Omos, which, let's be all the way 100. This match had no build whatsoever. It was just like, oh yeah, these two are having a match, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I'm at Coachella, right, at this point, when that announcement happened, and I'm looking at my phone, waiting for, who was it? I think I was waiting for, so I was waiting for one of the DJs to come on, and I'm looking at my phone, I'm like, why is this match happening? What the fuck did I miss? What I've heard, though, is that WWE Jedi mind-tricked people. They put a package on that made people want people that you could have been convinced that this was a thing going on for months. And I'm going to tell you why. There's only one reason why this felt this way. It's because they literally only had two weeks to build. There was two weeks before this pay-per-view when that match was announced. And you want to know why it seemed like this was a long building feud that was about to go off at Backlash is because in one singular promo, Seth Rollins proves why he is good at what he does because he made me give a shit about this match because <laughs> yeah. I had no interest. And then one promo. Oh, damn it. Now I actually want to see this shit. I care about every Seth Rollins match because he's just too damn good at what he does no matter what he's going up against. If this was anybody else versus Omos, I'd have been like, this match is stupid. Because, I mean, my hatred for that, his wrestling ability is very well known on this podcast. But he's like the biggest, like, little Vince. Omos is like the... He is big black meat. What do you think, little Vince? Omos is the Viagra. (laughs) Look at his resume. Oh, his resume says he's 7'2 and wait. Oh, yeah, he's fine. Let's do that one. I'm. Oh, yes. Look at me. I'm 7'2 now. Instead of Jesus, Omos is the instead of the little blue pill that little Vince needs. Little Vince needs a big black pill. His name is Omos. The views expressed on this podcast. <laughs> no, but yes, Seth made me give a shit about this match, and I still was like, you know what? I give this five minutes. Seth Heavy Rollins, match. if you do not win this World Heavyweight Championship at Night of Champions, I will riot because I feel like in this fucking match, you pulled Omos's best match out of him. Yeah. And that's, you created an epic I, yeah. viral moment with that curb stomp from the fucking top rope. Yep. Discuss. It's almost his longest match. I can't decide if 
No, I know everyone's hatred for Omos, and I agree with it, and I'm all behind it, and I don't... I agree. Did Seth Rollins make Omos that... this good? Because yeah. Omos had to raise the bar and actually show some sort of acting and talent and whatnot? Yeah. Because yeah. this is the blueprint for how to sell Omos from here on out. It totally works. Yeah. yeah. And it's I mean, it, it just took Seth to bring it there. Go ahead. John, it's funny you say that because my wife, Alice, she watched that match with me, and she said the same exact thing. This is what you got to do with Omos to to make him legitimate. Seth Rollins, the way that he sold Omos as as this unstoppable beast was fantastic. And I will give, I have to give Omos, and I might be alone in this, but I have to give Omos his due. I thought it was perfect how when Seth Rollins came in, the crowd was going fucking nuts, right? The stadium was just was just shaking and they were doing the oh, oh thing right and they let Seth Rollins get in the middle of the ring and they had the spotlights on him and the crowd was singing his song right and fucking Omos comes in and fucking puts the boot upside Seth Rollins head and I thought that was brilliant and then to yeah. revisit that yeah. every three or four minutes to get the crowd to sing and then to clean his ear out and then to mock yeah. him for it. That's yep. what you got to sell for that. And that's, yep. like you were saying, if you're going to yep. be a heel and these folks are going to hate you and, and they'll, you'll earn more hatred, if, in lack of a better term. Yep. But on the flip side of that, which is a testament to how good Seth Rollins is, he did one move and it didn't do a thing to Omos. So then he would do another thing. And like the curb stomp, he did the first time he tried to curb stomp. He goes for the curb stomp and he couldn't move Omos's neck, Omos's head. And I get it, like that in in the really real world, that's that that wouldn't have happened. But like for in a storytelling, from a storytelling standpoint, and going back to like the, that conversation we had a few episodes ago about goofy wrestling and magical wrestling and stuff like that, that's what you need. You need those type of dramatic moments. So then later on, when he does the first curb stomp, the second curb stomp, and then he goes all the way to the top rope to drop the last curb stomp, that it sells that Seth Rollins is fighting a monster. It's nuts to me that they even allowed him to go to the top rope because that move was banned for six, seven months. And they allowed him to go to the top rope and hit this move on a dude who's known to not being the best wrestler. They still allowed him to do it, so that's a testament of how good Seth Rollins is with that move to allow that to happen. Oh yeah, and I'm like on the I'm on Adolfo's side too. So I want to make a, I want to make a distinction here. I think Omos as a person, he is he is literally a gentle giant. If you see his interviews, um, he's very soft spoken. Right. We're not I mean, jumping on anyone personally. I agree with you. Yeah, for sure. Omos is a great person. Fuck his wrestling. Yes, exactly. Because I would love to hang out with Omos because he's a huge fucking anime nerd and I want to have conversations with him. And honestly, from like an intel from an intellectual perspective, too, because he is from Nigeria. So I was just like, so how did anime shape your childhood? Because anime is such a far reaching thing. And like certain countries have different like what they rank as top their top animes across the world, which is like completely different. Again, this is getting too, <laughs> this is getting too college essay around here. But 
I would love to have a conversation, but his presentation and his wrestling ability sucks. But I have to give I, him, I have to give him his flowers because Seth pulled it out of him and he did so well selling all what was going down. He pulled this out of the No Holds Barred Hulk Hogan movie book, right? He went full Tiny Lister, angry face and selling the thing and doing... If you're going to go there, go all the way. And I think he found that. I don't know. And I'm not saying I have high hopes. And I'm not saying we'd we'd stop shooting on almost... I'm going to say his name. (laughs) I keep saying almost. It's funny to me to call him almost. He's almost a good wrestler. Almost a good wrestler. But I wonder... Now I have a little bit more of a, okay, maybe they have a use for you, as opposed to just, you're 7-2, and Tiny Vince said, make it happen. You're, like, he's, like, old-school Great Collie. You're here because you're big, not because you're good. But even, yeah, but you could do more with, I would like to think you could do more. It's hopeful. It's a pipe dream, maybe. But guys like, guys who are 7, guys who are seven two have short careers because, you know, your back's going to give out any day now. I hope to God somebody do some good. He improves because if Mikey hangs out with him and I'm there, he might destroy me considering my takes that I've had on him on this podcast. (laughs) But I hope something good happens with him. I put him back on NXT, let him work. He's a free agent. Put him on NXT, let him develop more in ring ability, let him develop mic skills more, let him develop as a professional wrestler as a whole. Then give him a shot and have him be the have him be what Braun Strowman was meant to be in his early days of his career. How long has he been on the main card? You guys know? How long has he been pushed like this? Too long. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's be fair. Don't make me use your government name, Minnie. Calm down. <laughs> you already did. I mean, that's true. All right, Evan, calm down. <laughs> and now I know your last name too. So if you're ever in trouble in this podcast, I will say your full name like a teacher. You're you fucked up if I t- call you by your full name. <laughs> Anyways, Omos, I want to say, has has been in ring for, what, a year and a half now? Probably. He was Shane's bodyguard when Raw Underground was a concept, which is like he someone was high on drugs when they made that when they that idea came into inception. Conception. What I'm hearing is he's been here for a year and a half too long. He never got went through the NXT. Let's train you. Let's make you safe. He was just Shane's bodyguard, and then bam, he was on main roster. I was like, "What the?" Vince saw him and it was like, "I don't need a blue pill anymore. I need this big black pill." And now I'm hard as a rock. Now I'm seven two. I'm seven two now. <laughs> yes, little Vince. Being four three is really weird compared to seven two. I think that I don't know, and I'm not defending Omas. I'm not defending Omas. It's a tough, if you're going to learn on the fly, be a big man, they, Who not all folks who are this tall are, are athletic. Just look at the NBA and scholarships and shit like that. Like you, So trying to learn this, trying to have an idea for this, I wonder who's telling him or coaching him or if anyone is, or if they're just trying to say, hey, don't hurt anyone, go out there and do this. But then you get someone like Seth who finally maybe does it right and goes, hey, we're going to put the work in, we're going to put the time in, I'm going to show you all these things. And realizing, oh, okay, I'm going to have to sell the shit out of this because you're not gonna, or you're going to only meet me so far. I have the tiniest, I have the tiniest bit of hope that maybe we'll still hate this Omas in general, but they'll find a way to use him. He's a free agent. Put him on NXT. They just took a bunch of NXT guys away. It's a perfect opportunity to put him, move him down. And give him an opportunity to learn everything he needs to learn and be coached and actually become a dominant 
because it looked like he has the ability to do it. We've seen it. We're like, oh, we know what's in you. We just got to pull out of your ass and hit you over the head with it. And then, have him, win the, and then have him win the Royal Rumble next year and everything will be fine. No, absolutely fucking not. <laughs> Find my center. John, I know you're the voice of Little Vince, but we don't need you to be Little Vince. You're halfway uh-huh. there. You're bald. As long as you don't get veiny, you're fine. I, if, all of a sudden, if I lose an eye in a horrible accident, something's gone wrong. The other, the other issue, I think, is that they don't... The WWE as a whole doesn't have the backstage leaders like they used to have. I, w- I watched this one interview with Paul White, Big Show, and he said that kind of when he first came on the scene it was an almost situation where he they just brought him in because he was big and they had him squashing people and this that and the other and apparently it was undertaker who historically had been the one in the in backstage who would go to these new wrestlers and tell them to pull their heads out of their asses but undertaker basically told big show pull your head out of your ass and coached him and Paul White in this interview was saying that thanks to Taker doing that, he was able to elevate and learn a lot more. And so I don't think that nowadays they there's anyone backstage that's doing that with this new talent. No, because like when Taker, because even when Taker was there, he was still there. But yeah, like Cena and Orton, but Orton's been hurt for since Tim Buck too, and. Cena's not there, and the only person they really have, the only two old heads, I would say, that you can say old heads they have backstage, like, on a regular basis, is Mysterio and Edge. And it's like, how do you help a big dude when you're, the two guys are trying to help <laughs> you? tiny dude. <laughs> is, you oh, know, what's five, five foot four Mysterio and Edge. I agree, and imagine being jerked around the way these wrestlers are, right? Like, here, we have a group of a hundred, you're never gonna have, you're gonna be in a different city every night, for a year, you're trying to build camaraderie, trying to build, like you were talking about old heads and folks, the same locker room every day, who's the leader, who's been the brown, who knows this, who knows that. Yeah, it's not there. You could argue that Roman is in a position to do that, that, that all Usos and Bloodline, Sami Zayn and KO are in that spot too. They've been around a while, they can coach these folks up. But again, it's that's a handful of folks. I'm sure women's, all the women's division has a few of these veterans too. But you're right. That kind of speaks to what is the culture behind the scenes? Are there leaders? Are there people telling the truth to them? Yeah. There's plenty of videos it's, of Seamus working out with Finn Balor, so they have friendships. I'm assuming it's probably changed a lot because I think when that year that Vince was gone, it, like a lot of that was starting to come out more. We're seeing more of those leaders and everything like that helping people. But since Vince is back and reportedly we're hearing that morale is in the Vince, grave at this point. It screams yeah. micromanager to me so hardcore and so like I think when you have a micromanager type of personality like nobody wants to step up into the leadership role because you have somebody who's micromanaging everything and no, the only person that can really stand up to Vince and tell him to sit the fuck down is Brock Lesnar. And, and Brock I say is that a part like, <laughs> He's not there all the time. I only right. say that because Brock got pissed at a match and threw his belt at Vince and Vince didn't do shit. Like, Vince also, and, and this is another thing we can go and unpack, but Vince loves to do the poor me thing, right? Does a, makes a decision, then turns around and goes, I don't know why Brett hit me. It was just a match in Montreal. You know what I mean? 
I don't know. He's why very vindictive. Tries to find this reason to be like, I'm just running a business, and it's a business, and it's never anything. Screwing people over all the time. This is a rant. This is going to take us away from this. But there's also this idea of Vince. You can come to idea with someone like Vince. Vince will say, okay, we'll try your idea and then let that idea fail. And now Vince has leverage over you for the rest of your career. And Let's say, forget not- that's what happened with Black and Gold NXT when he put them up against Dynamite and AEW. Uh-huh. And then when they didn't do the numbers, Vince was like, oh, you know what? You know what? Hunter, you did your best, but I'm going to come in. We're going to take care of NXT. I was like, you did that on purpose. You wanted it to fail so bad because NXT was becoming what everybody was talking about rather than Raw and SmackDown. And he got jealous. uh I don't give a shit. There's all kinds of behind the little scene stories like that. (laughs) But I digress. (laughs) Quick, back to the backlash. So we already we established this. The curb stomp from the top rope from Seth to Omos got Seth the win. I was not, this ended up not being the pee break match. And we'll talk about what my pee break match was down the road. And honestly, this next match, even though it was like only seven minutes long, I was entertained. This is sports entertainment. You had the triple threat for the United States championship between Twig, Austin Theory, and then you had the two beef, beef, beefy meaty men of Bobby Lashley and Bronson Reed. My Kiwi gets done so dirty, but it's okay. I love Bronson Reed. He's doing such a damn good job. I fucking hate Austin Theory. He's so fucking slimy. And he's doing such a good job at this role. His theme song still sucks ass. I I hate his theme song. So bad. I was tech. Oh my god, he's doing such a good. I want. He needs to lose. Is there a reason Bobby Lashley doesn't have eyebrows? Because he makes it look like a magic eight ball. I don't know. He flexes them off. Oh, they fl- he's flexed them off. Instead of that ripping his shirt when he flexes, instead of yeah. ripping the shirt when he flexes, his eyebrows just... Eyebrows I'm glad I asked that question. That, those <laughs> answers are perfect. Fucking hate Austin Theory. So good job, Theory. You do such a good job in this role. Fuck you, dude. Austin Theory oh, is a really great heel. Is solving it perfectly. He represents America. That's how the rest of the world sees Americans, is Austin Theory. That's exactly what it That's- is. I'm going to know the words to my own shitty theme song and sing them right back out to you. Yeah. This is exactly how my character, for the people who watch Friday Night Fights, my character, James Starr, is is, um, the one time I got to play him (laughs) is very awesome theory-ish. He is a self-righteous asshole that thinks his shit don't stink, and that's exactly what awesome theory is. God damn it. I like this match. This match was a lot of fun. A lot of the a lot of these triple threat matches are hit or miss for me, which we're not talking about this, but the Edge Ray Mysterio, whatever the hell that was the other night. Oh my gosh, we'll talk about it because that was um, doo doo. That ending we, was doo doo. That just, match, three incredible wrestlers had the opportunity to be one of the best matches in on in it how long the life out of me. And, and like it, to go back and revisit this and then be like, oh yeah, that's how it's done. And then to watch that on SmackDown was like, I'm turning it off. I'll watch this later. That ending to that match is horrible. It's just, but with this three, these three with Bronson Reed and 
going back to Bobby the and Austin. This match yeah. was so good. Um, I enjoyed it. Not a single miscue. It was clean. Uh, so everything was set up beautifully. The camera angles were great here because I was surprised by some of these splashes that Bronson threw. All of a sudden, I was like, oh, he landed on the ground. Steve, oh. Bronson is so agile. It's crazy. Ridiculous there was one botch. I'm not sure if you guys ever caught this. Awesome Theory was diving back into the ring. He's diving between the bottom and the middle rope and rolling, and the ref was in the way. I remember seeing saw that. that. I, like, I saw that. What? I was like, the ref almost got bowling pinned. Yeah, he was diving back in to break up a pin. He was diving and to the, the ropes, rolling in, the, and he, the ref was standing in the way. I was like, sir, you need to that not. That would all bad. Wow. But yes, I want to go back to this real quick. Right. See, I've been following. See, I'm aware of Bronson Reed from NXT and also his short stint in New Japan before getting before coming back to WWE and being re-signed by Hunter. Bronson Reed is a big guy, but he is like Keith Lee levels of athleticism. Like he will jump from the top rope. He will do crazy flights of feats of flight. It's a fancy whatever you want to call it. Like I love Bronson Reed and I'm mad that he took the pin. But it does sense Bobby and Austin are now on SmackDown. I'm assuming this feud is going to continue because the way this match ended is that Bobby had dead to rights to win this and Bronson miss. He tried to do Bronson jump from the ro top rope. He was trying to do a tsunami, but that ended up missing. And as Bobby was like a spear was hit. And as soon as Bobby was ready to do the pin, Austin grabs Bobby, throws him out of the ring, and then pins Bronson Reed for the one, two, three. And you still, your United States champion is Austin Theory. And Bobby was just like, he's like, why? <laughs> it was, that match was really good. I'm sad it was short, but it is what it is. But for seven minutes, this triple threat was actually a lot of fun. I don't know if they could have gone much longer. Like I, I wonder if there might have been a point where they either got gassed or they were like, yeah, what else do you want to do? Because then they're just going to start getting hurt. <laughs> but I'd rather would, a match like this, I'm like, leave them wanting more. I would love to watch that again. I would love to see Bronson Reed, Bobby Lashley, and Gunther for the IC oh, oh, just That's a lot of meat of, in the ring. That's And just like three minutes of chops just all the way around. <laughs> that's, how, that's how it was at Mania. Drew, Sheamus, oh, yeah, and Gunther. Oh, God, that match is so beautiful. Speaking of beautiful matches, so this next one, and this is the part where I cried a little bit. So next, for the women's, for the SmackDown Women's Championship, you had Mommy Rhea Ripley defending her title against Zelina Vega. So I love me some Rhea Ripley. She will is Mommy. Her <sighs> Vegas, sorry, Zelina Vega's ring gear was incredible. You talk about being she touched by the Holy Spirit. I went to church abs. when she came out. Of yes, I went to church when she came out in that ring gear. I was like, hallelujah, praise the Lord. <laughs> and this is the part where I started. This is the first match that made me cry because Zelina Vega came out. That ring gear was fired, by the way. And then when she lifted up her arms and it showed the Puerto Rican flag, I lost my shit. I cried. And then what made me cry even more was before the match even started when they were announcing the participants and Zelina was physically crying and holding back her tears when they were announcing her fucking name and the whole entire arena just erupted into a cheer when they announced her name. I was just like, 
She's not. I know she's not gonna win, but damn it, you make me believe. Yeah. She got damn close. She got real close to winning. I could have gone either way with this actually going in. I wonder if they, I had a, I knew, right, it was stacked against her, not going to let Rhea lose it so quickly, all the sort of stuff. There was a part of me that was like, you know what? I wonder if they'll do it. Because they're already in Puerto Rico. The crowd is going to, the crowd is here. They got what they wanted. Maybe, maybe they do. And then maybe this becomes a storyline for a little while. I would hate it because I know exactly how it would have played out. If she would have won it, they would have then gone to Raw. She would have on a rematch clause and kick the fuck out of her and took the belt back. I, that's yeah, exactly how they would have done it. That's how it always goes down, unfortunately. Sure, but we would have had It would have been happen. an awesome, feel-good moment that would have lasted 24 hours. But now you have a whole island that hates Rhea Ripley. Like, that could have been... and Like, you could have healed... Not that she needs more energy behind being a heel, but you, I feel like you could have ran that story out pretty well if you really wanted. I, I think Zelina will come back around into the championship picture because she, I think this match, while I knew she wasn't going to win, the one thing I think it did very well for Zelina, it reminded people, you do realize she can wrestle. And granted, oh yeah, Rio for the most part was throwing her around the ring, but, and this is a dirty word, but go look at her TNA matches when she was in TNA. Like, homegirl can wrestle, but... I would like to also give kudos to Rhea Ripley selling that sell the, her cells of the DDTs from Zelina has become my favorite thing now because they That's look violent. The most underrated thing I think that people forget that Rhea's good at she's damn good at selling things. Her facial expressions yeah. are incredible when she sells moves. There, I saw today, as a matter of fact, on Instagram, I saw an interview with Rhea Ripley and uh, or the the wrestler that plays. Ray Ripley. The character. I, yeah, the character. Me too. I saw the same interview. Oh, man. <laughs> it was just, it was, I love seeing stuff like that in this case because the actor, the combatant that plays Ray Ripley was just like, Zelina, she came out, she looked beautiful, it was her hometown. I really felt, I wanted to smile when I heard the crowd cheering, but I had to have a conversation with myself and I was like, I'm Ray Ripley. I gotta act like Ray Ripley right now, but she really, like, she she really wanted to, and also, I, to her credit, I think, had a last-minute call been made for Ray Ripley to lose the title, she would have been, she would have been fine with that in this case, because she was just moved by that whole experience. A, a credit to, to Ray Ripley. She's a great wrestler both both in the mat and like out out of the ring too awesome human being yeah she really is and everyone needs to remember she's only like 26 27 years old and for her to have that perspective so young in her career is a beautiful thing and it's going to carry her far the dt spot was a highlight what made this match 10 out of 10 just from a comedic standpoint is she was alina's family was in the front row she went to Abuelita and she got the chocla and threw it at Rhea Ripley. Oh, that, God. Shit, that, that shit had me rolling on the floor. Yep. I really wish that had connected and Rhea took a fall. That would have been hysterical. <laughs> that would have been so good. Was, or like, she like, started beating her, her with the oh. chocla. Yeah, that was a moment that happened. <laughs> Give me like Ray and Dom part two with an actual chocla. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Appar- apparently the chocla did have Rhea Ripley's name on it. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> That is so beautiful, but love- alas, 
cut. I loved hearing Pendejo in an Australian accent. Yes! I thought that was really funny. Yes! Hey, Pendejo, what'd you just say? <laughs> and just trying to throw out... It seems like this was a common occurrence. The folks that don't speak of the Spanish were just throwing out choice words every now and then, just be, yeah. just throw things out there. It was just yep. really funny. <laughs> yep. But this was a great, like we were just talking about heels and whatnot. Rhea Ripley's a, a beautiful heel. And it did that mocking thing, grabbed Selena's face and went, you, 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 right next to her face at one point. Yep. And then... And then even grabbed her and was like walking her towards the yeah. crowd and doing and that. Held her there. You see this? You see what you did? Like all like this your girl? Yeah. Oh, hold up. Bam on the floor. Beautiful. And really feeling that out and doing it. And, and oh, she's gonna be a Hall of Famer. This is just obvious, right? Like oh, we can for say sure. that now. Like it's gonna be it's gonna happen. Oh definitely. Oh uh, yeah, I'm replaying it right now. I just saw that beautiful whirly bird DT thing and just nothing but hair and legs. It's beautiful. Anyway, carry on, Mike. Yeah, but alas, unfortunately, Mommy gets Zelina Vega, does the Riptide, pins her one, two, three. And this is what I love. So Rhea leaves the ring, and then Zelina gets up. Obviously, she lost the match, but oh my god, the standing ovation that she received after the match. And when she stood up in the ring, she's Zelina's disappointed she lost, but that fucking crowd was... Oh my god, that was also another. I cried at the beginning of the match and I cried at the end because that crowd made me believe. I was just like, I swear to god, WWE, if you don't start pushing Zelina Vega so very soon, I'm going to fight and I'm going to write a very strongly worded letter because I have, I am unapologetically a fan of Zelina. I know what she's capable of the ring. She is also my nerd card, she is my cosplay queen. Her cosplays are so much fun. She also happens to be married by, with one of my favorite AEW wrestlers at the moment, in Malachi Black. Yeah. Yo, so I always laugh every time I see pictures of the... Yes, sir. That chant was... Oh, my gosh. The crowd just yes, kept... Sir. Was amazing. And she getting that standing ovation, just... I love those moments. I was like, you got to remember, these are human beings underneath these wrestling characters. And I loved seeing it. And I'm just like, this was very perfect. Speaking of perfect, so. Yeah. Oh, and if, really quick, yeah. another personal, you know, so Zelina Vega was actually born in Queens. So right. She was, she was coming back home to Puerto Rico, but that is a very, it was, to me, super touching having the people of the island having that, that warm loving embrace of a chant for for a puerto rican that technically isn't from puerto rico because and mikey on different podcasts we've talked about this where every now and then you run into this whole you're you weren't born in puerto rico so you're really not puerto rican or in my case you know when i moved away from puerto rico i was five years old and i haven't actually been back in in years and You'll, I will get the the occasional person that's oh you haven't been back to Puerto Rico in in, in years so you're really not Puerto Rican. Anymore. So what you're saying is if when Backlash goes back to Puerto Rico, we're going to do a Biconics fundraiser right. to get us there right. so we can go take there. you back. But to to see the island just embrace one of their own, it was just like I too started to cry. I was feeling her emotion, especially from a performer. Just, I thought to myself, oh my God, that to have your hometown chanting for you, like that's gotta be, 
That's gotta be such a rush. And that was a beautiful moment, so. To be, to witness her be accepted, yeah. right? Which is what I think you're speaking to, to be like, hey, yeah. here is someone from New York, from Queens, who's an American, but then to go to this place of ancestry and be accepted, yeah. Of course we're crying. They write Pixar movies about shit like that. That's right. huge, right? Yep. And I think if anyone is not crying or feeling emotional about that, I think that's this in particular. We'll talk about other matches. This one is this is when wrestling gets it right. This kind of thing. Let's put yeah. the moment and the story and the performers and the environment. Let's put this yep. all in the right place at the right time. Boom. Yep. That's when it works. Yep. And it, it's maybe once per pay-per-view that it actually works. Yep. The next match, pretty close, but it might, but this one way more. This was such a beautiful moment, and like John said, the next match that happened after this was almost there. And in my personal opinion, this should have made evented the pay per view. If I'm being completely honest, I understand why they didn't, even I mean, if it's yeah. Hi hindsight, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> hindsight, absolutely. But let's talk about this: the San Juan street fight between. Damian Priest and fucking tra Latino trap superstar of the modern era, Bad Bunny. This this match fucking ruled. Can I just I preface? Mean. Can I preface this about uh, by saying one thing? Sure. Fuck you, so, fuck you, social media. For for the day and a half before backlash, my Instagram was flooded with fucking Damien Priest going to ho to hospitals in Puerto Rico and Damien Priest going to local basketball games and shit. Oh, man. <laughs> he's the heel. I'm supposed to be mad at him. And he's such a he's, he's such a good-ass human being. And he's, from, and he's from the island, too. I was like... So that's him and Bad Bunny were born in the same place. That's what it is, right? Yeah. They're from the same small town. That's yeah. wild. They legit went to school together, I think Damien said in an interview. They actually grew up somewhat together. Yeah, yeah, Damien wrestled down in Puerto Rico. Yeah, yeah, so I was just like, because before this, I, to be honest, I didn't know much about Damien Priest except from what I've, what has been presented to me. But then, like, they opened up that, that back door and I got to see what was going on back there and I'm like, God damn it. I'm lucky. I'm lucky. I didn't see any of the social media stuff because I would have been. I'm a. I'm enough of a softie. It would have ruined it for me. But <laughs> what's really interesting? I have. I don't think I've seen a Damian Priest match since we've started really dialing into wrestling and whatnot over the last. I don't know, 16 months or so that I've really been here on Vibe Tribe. I've seen him interrupt other matches. I've seen him do half-assed tag team stuff, but not show me something. And it was very impressive. I, I, I was. I yeah. enjoyed it a lot. And see. That's the problem because I got spoiled because I got to see Damien in NXT where he actually fucking kicked ass and did all this. When he came to main roster, it was somewhat there. But I think once the lumberjack match between him and Miz happened during the pandemic era, and that's the one where all the zombies were there. <laughs> yeah, Damien oh, Priest was a I part of that. that. I saw that. That, that match sucked so yeah, bad okay. but it was yeah. i don't blame miz or damien i blame product placement which we talked about like when we way ago in the royal rumble pay-per-view that it was sponsorship a it was pitch match? black match between la knight and bray bray wyatt like that the sponsorship matches usually tend to be god-awful and yeah, the, I think since that lumberjack match, Damien really hasn't been the same. And then he w was left off the card of WrestleMania. But you know what? This totally made up for it because 
this match ruled. Damien, I love that Judgment Day had a color scheme going on the whole entire night because Rhea and Damien were like wearing white and then Dom came out in white pants and all that stuff. So Damien comes out and this was awesome. And then the Bad Bunny's music hits. And can I fucking say again, shame on you, America. This is how you're supposed to treat these pay-per-views. The fucking crowd was singing along to that song. Puerto Rico is the best crowd. 10 out of 10 would recommend. And the reason why, I don't know if you knew this, but the reason why the Judgment Day wore white is because they consider themselves the heroes of this story, the good guys of the story. And that's why they had the white gear. Every good villain should think that they are the good guy in the story. That's how it works. Patch had no right to be as entertaining as it fucking was. Holy shit. Such a good job to show that the Damien, Damien didn't look weak by losing the match. Absolutely. No, because it's a street fight. The street fights are supposed to be the craziest, like, what can I do to hurt my opponent? I had there one. Was two, there was ahead, two points in the match where Damien won the match, but he decided to keep going, which is what cost him. But two points, like, it's not like if people would sit down and look and go, like, he won the match, but Bad Bunny got the three count. So it looked great. I loved that, and this, again, just a story of wrestling, right? Bad Bunny goes on the top rope to jump on Damien, who's outside of the ring. And I've watched it a few times now. Because, number one, Bad Bunny, athletic as hell. Like, underrated athletic, like, athleticism. Put the time in to learn this stuff. Goes to jump off the top rope. I don't know if his feet slip, or if he just doesn't get the air he needs. But he goes full kitten jumping off a bed. Arms extended, legs extended, and everything. And his not gonna make it like it's less than halfway and damien just leans and catches him perfectly boom gets the and sells it moves up and, like, and falls in a way that allows but ben, yeah. i'm gonna refer to bad bunny as benito which is like his sure. name so because bad bunny is gonna be a mouthful to repeat while we talk about this match sure. but damien falls in a way that allows benito to roll and not hurt himself right. after that landing totally and, saves him yeah, Damien Flower, Damien Flowers, Damien Priest <laughs> earned his flowers this match, oh, yeah. and I want. And now I'm like, see, the rest of the world now sees what I have yeah. seen in NXT. Damien Priest, like there was this- a cut during the. Sorry, okay. I don't mean to cut you off. During the uh, the big spot, the big drop where he does the big. I, I almost I'm calling it the wrong Broken thing. Arrow. Yeah, that big thing going off the top onto the thing. Broken Era, one of my favorite finishers. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, 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 the tables yeah. and stuff. The camera cuts away right as you see them touch hands and check in with each other. It's great. Like, I was a split second where I was like, I caught that because I'm looking for it. Boom, they land, and you see them just squeeze hands just a little, and then the refs are like, oh, look, they're whatever. But they're on top of it. And Damien was totally taken care of and made it safe, made it violent, made it exciting. This was a blast. And the, just the Donnybrook that also happened when Judgment Day came out and fucking That's so good. And then Ray Mysterio comes out and oh man, oh it was Ray's so mask good. was cool. I know. Okay, so let's talk about this because usually I don't like when my you normally on normal circumstances like I don't like overbooked matches like when fifty million people come running out. But this made sense in this because street fight, it's no rules, no holds bar. 
Okay, so let's talk about this real quick because I lost my shit, right? So Judgment Day comes out, Ray comes out to try to even the odds, but then Ray gets his ass beat with Bad Bunny. And then who do we first have coming out? The Puerto Rican himself, Carlito. Holy shit, you guys. I popped so hard. He was ripped, man. I remember watching him just be like the skinny like mm-hmm. high fire wrestler. That was, he, yeah. So Rips. I wasn't. I stopped watching wrestling right at that time where Carlito came in and was being picked up. So I remembered him, the beginning of his career, <laughs> like two thousand one, two, three, four, in there, and then found out that he was there for a while after and all this other stuff. But I'm gonna say this and this in a good way. I didn't recognize him in a good way. I was like, oh wow, you're an adult now. You're huge. Look at the goatee on you. <laughs> You're going to kill somebody. Where's Carlito been? Look, Carlito. Look at the pop for him was incredible. I don't think I've ever heard Carlito get a bigger pop. Carlito was a mid card and he's getting popped like he's Stone Cold Steve Austin. A mid card that, a mid card that they, you know, misused and made fun of in the Apple bit and whatever. But he was a huge pop here. He's 44 years old and he's jacked. Book him now. That was so good and then of course the apple spot always kills me and i love it it's great but then oh no they weren't done because then as judgment day was running off and you'd be like you know what we're done then i hear that theme song right then who makes an appearance the one and only savio vega comes in now granted again overbooked matches sometimes aren't necessarily my favorite but you know what? I let go of the silliness of the way that he was hitting people. But I know, granted, because he's a lot older and like the ECW guys have lived a certain life or whatever. But that whole thing when Savio and LWO and Rey Mysterio were just beating Dom. And while they were mostly beating up Finn. So like for some reason, that was like comedy gold because Dominic's over here. He's not. Nah, I'm out of this. And he's getting hit a little bit by Ray, but then fucking Finn Balor gets just like curb stomped and like just ganged up on between LWO and Savio as they're like kicking him and like they're beating him up like they're taking his lunch money. It was hilarious. I found that hilarious. I'm like, this is how you do good comedies. Like physical comedy is beautiful. It was awesome. I just, I want them to do so much more with Judgment Day. They just just began shit on the past like four months, except for Rhea. It's I want kinda... them to do so much more with that because that group has so much potential. Because Dom is bringing up so much, he's doing such a good job. Finn, of course, is always awesome. Yeah. We just saw Damian Priest pull off a match that should not been as good as it was, and of course, the bomb. That that group should be getting pushed to the moon. But see, like I'm been at first, I thought they were a joke, but the last couple of months, I'm okay with them losing a lot because I think if narratively if you write this could potentially be like you know what we're fucking tired of being shitted on and losing so then they just go full all out and then i give them that edge there's like fuck all this we're gonna destroy everybody i have one theatrical thing that i thought might have been cool and i can't remember adolfo might remember better than me what was the name of vegas gang los bor bora Bors. i can't remember the name of his group and i'm gonna say it wrong they wore all they all white pants and the white undershirts and the hats and they just came out as gangsters and they just whipped everyone in the late 90s for a while they had a big feud with farouk and nwo and d brown and all that that would have 
been a ridiculous yeah. throwback. It was Los Boricuas, which Boricuas. Puerto Rican. Yeah, that's that that's the native name of uh, Puerto Rico. That, that, that would have been, yeah, that would have been incredible if they ran out there like that. And just, I think that place would have exploded. But I love seeing it. I think for a dude who's in his sixties, he can move. He still got something in the tank, so that was great. I went and did a deep dive, like I was saying before we started. And Vega's been Vega was wrestling up until just a few years ago. <laughs> went back to Puerto Rico and then was doing weekly things for ten years. Like still put the time in, was still working. So. A lot, yeah. There's a lot of old school guys from ECW and even like yeah. the early 2000s WE right. and WF that are still like wrestling. Quick side tangent: There's a small independent wrestling scene, I think, in the UK. And they were having this Royal Rumble kind of match. And all of a sudden, Snitsky, of all people, comes out. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> I was like, I was not ready for that, but it was hilarious. But yeah, I agree with many here. This See, street fights tend to be hit or miss for me because depending on who's involved with them, they can be really executed really well or just be boring as hell. This match was entertaining. It was overbooked. It was ridiculous. Bad Bunny picked up the win. And again, I still stand by that this should have main evented the pay-per-view. This should have been the last match to go on. But you know what? It is what it is. And I feel that they should have had this as the main event because of how much of a high that this match gave combined with what happened with the SmackDown Women's Championship that this next match, I knocked the wind out of the sails of the momentum for me. This was like the first miss of the night for me. And don't get me wrong. I loved all six individuals that were involved in the six-man tag team match. But for me personally, I feel like it went on a little too long. It did not need to be 22 minutes. Like, I was bored during the first half. I think there was something, and I think every, the group might be able to speak to this too. Whereas you have Selena Vega and you have Bad Bunny and Damon Priest that's running on pure passion, pure emotion, pure history, right? There's all this stuff baked into it. Granted... Uso, Sami Zayn, whatever, but it's you can't compare the two. Like you have national pride, you have underdog story, you have legends in the ring, and then you have now back to your normal Raw and SmackDown storyline. And that's just that's really yeah. really hard to to keep it up at that point. Which is why I totally agree with you. The wind's kind of out of the sails. I don't think it could have ended any other way. You had to have it end with the bloodline fracturing a little more. To keep me okay fine if you're gonna do that okay i love matt riddle i love matt riddle a lot i i think he's got a little bit of rust <laughs> he's a little rusty to me because i know he's been away for a while i think that's that part of the yeah and i mean he gets pinned again by solo soko for the win like i said this overall like the second half of this match started to pick up for me but the first half was and that goes back to what I was saying. I feel like you could have shaved five, six minutes off this match and it would have been great. Because there's so much talking. They're bullshitting so much. They're yeah. gesturing and look at the crowd and look at this because the crowd probably got deflated to bring me back all the other stuff. Yeah. What's... Uh-huh. Um, i just seen this on Twitter. It was posted 34 minutes ago. Johnny Gargano is now fully back wrestling. He just wrestled a house show with Gunther. Oh, I saw, about, I saw wow. that. About the, yeah, I saw that about that house show, and it was really yeah. good, apparently. Yeah, I'm seeing. I just saw because I'm on uh, at Myconics <laughs> One on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> I, saw the thing, yes. I saw that Johnny Gargano was back, and I got excited because I really like Johnny Gargano. 
Yeah, it's been weird because me and Minnie, we got to see him at Stand and Deliver, but then we haven't seen him on main television ever since. But now he's back, so that was great. Yeah. yeah apparently, Matt yeah. Hardy's Twitter got hacked. Oh, and they posted a tweet that said, shit, if I was edged, I would have fucked Lita too. Not gonna lie. I was like, oh my god. Because the actual Aww. implications that actually went down with that feud was intense. And you know what? We can, we'll talk about that. Like, when these feuds actually had real life heat to them, because that was a trip. That was the thing in the 80s. They did that yeah. shit all the time. Yep. It was insane, but Anyway, yeah, this, this, yeah, this six-man tag, again, if it was a couple minutes shorter, like, it would have been fine, but it's like, we all saw this match already at WrestleMania, and we saw this kind of on the subsequent episodes of Raw and SmackDown, the only difference is now we're adding Solo and Matt Riddle to it. I will say, from a storytelling perspective, the furthering fracturing of the bloodline was interesting, because Solo almost... Samoan spiked Jimmy, or was it Jay? It was Jay, huh? Yeah, it was Jay. Jay. He almost spiked Jay, yeah. And Jay's, Jay and Solo were like not having it. They were like that going back and forth, tagging in thing. Yeah. And yeah. Jimmy didn't see all this go down. What's interesting here too, and this is just my opinion as a theater and acting teacher, the two best actors in the ring are Sami Zayn and Jimmy. Everyone else is technical or can put the mask on and do what they do. But that's all that worked. And Solo's got the quiet cardboard thing down. Okay. But On main roster, he is. I really wish that they let him be what he was in NXT while he sure. was in NXT, which is basically the Samoan street fighter. And he's, I'm going to whoop your ass. And I was like, yes. But they let him talk. I've never seen it. He's right. I'd love to see that. I, this is I, the I believe best comparison you know? I can give. Like Solo Sokoa in NXT was like the younger version of Samoa Joe. I'm a beat your ass. I'm a kill you. I'm big. I'm a knock your teeth out. I'm a just and, kill you some, in this ring. Some, he, Samoa Joe can like, talk. He's like a younger Samoa Joe. That's yes, exactly. He like, can talk. Samoa Joe he can beat like your ass. I love to see that. Samoa Joe can rap. Like Samoa Joe is amazing. He was on Instagram. Samoa Joe. In the twisted metal show that they did, he's sweet tooth. He's sweet tooth. He's also going to be King Shark in this upcoming Suicide Squad video game too. I would love to see more of that stuff. I think with, I think you're right. This got a little inflated. It's clean technically. It's just missing some of the heart that the rest of the night have provided. Uh huh. And and of course, could you imagine being any of these wrestlers and having to follow what they had just seen? Not that they're professionals and they shouldn't get heady like that, but damn. The, the booking order of the card did not do them any favors. No, and I feel like what burnt it, too, is that we've seen these guys go at it for the last couple of weeks anyways. Whereas like yeah. something like Rhea and Zelina, they were fighting each other, but they didn't have multiple matches leading into this pay-per-view. EO and Bianca, same thing. They were fighting, but they didn't really touch each other and have a match until this pay-per-view. The Bloodline, Sammy, KO, and Riddle, they've been fighting and we're having singular matches with each of the Usos and Solo leading into this pay-per-view. And I was like, okay, we're like spinning our wheels here. Like, I get it, which we'll talk about where it leads to next because I got lots of questions. But, yeah. The SmackDown that happened after with Roman coming back and talking shit to the Usos, I was really hoping... That when he put, I think it was Jimmy, he pushed Jimmy in the face. 
I wanted him to super kick him so bad. I was like, please super kick him. But no, yeah. we didn't get that. We'll talk about that in a little bit after we finish up Backlash because we're almost there. <laughs> I can say that the after the Damien Priest Bad Bunny match, when Alice saw the the last two matches was the the six way tag or the six man tag with the Usos and Solo and Solo and Matt Riddle and Sami Zayn and, and Kevin Owens and alice she was just like all right i don't need to see anymore i'm out bye honestly i felt that was me too i was just like after i watched the entire pay-per-view because i watched it i watched most of it by myself before i went to go see guardians of the galaxy on saturday and then i rewatched the pay-per-view with the uriel on sunday and we agreed like the first five matches were stellar and then the last two were like it was it was all right <laughs> it's not that they weren't bad matches they just i it probably would have made for a better show if they took those two matches and actually made those the two last matches the two first matches yeah um, and it the night definitely would have had this type of feel going to it yeah. they know? did a booking order for an american audience not for the puerto rican audience and if they had and if they had humbled themselves and done that, they probably could have re- this could have been something ridiculous. If, could you imagine if this was in between the street fight and Selena Vega breeding off of that energy and then going into the next one like that would have been huge. Yeah, and then Cody yeah. and Brock are really fucked. But if you had done that correctly, if you mix match this just a little bit. Yeah, gotten more. Out well, of that. speaking yeah. of Cody and Brock, let's just quickly talk about it, because your main event for Backlash was Cody Rhodes versus Brock Lesnar. It's still a botch. I still think it was a botch. <laughs> Brock bled. The beast he still- bled. So I'm, this, I'm, this match I'm, was weird because I felt like the ending was rushed, in my opinion. I, you know what, though? The woe he got, Cody, when he yes. came out, that was, like, arguably louder than Mania's. Yeah. Yes, Yo, honestly. You, were you able to hear, not only was the woe fucking ridiculously loud, but the audience was singing with the theme song so loud you could hear them singing with the theme song and then of course when it when that whoa hits that everyone just fucking lost their shit i lost mine that was awesome yeah i'm still i'm i wouldn't say that i'm new to wrestling in the new generation the latest generation the idea that theme songs have words and we know them <laughs> still blows my mind because triple h had it when i was watching and i knew the motorhead song and stuff like that sure but the fact that there's lyrics to the songs is like what? everybody knew triple h just because this motorhead was huge uh, yeah. motorhead, it was yeah. like uncle steve austin came up the, in the rocks it was just him i don't think anybody else actually had words to their theme songs like words like it still blows my mind i was like the late 90s early 2000s thing that when you actually start hearing things well, the yeah was the group that had the D-Generation X had the music that was like the singy songs, whereas pretty much everyone else was like just instrumentals. Yeah. Which makes sense because they were the group that was being rebellious, so they had lyrics. So I don't, I think this match is okay, mm-hmm. which is a shame that it's ending the way it is. I just I don't know over. if, I don't know if Cody and Brock work well together. They're two totally different styles. 
they have a few there's some few bits in here that are cool like cody jumps and brock catches him like, that, that was cool was, that was cool there's a i'm trying to think of a few see that's the problem i'm trying to think of the cool the bits. Best part of this, the best part of it is the fact that the cody brock food is over yeah, cody what no. The Cody Brock is over. Let's just get oh, on with okay. it. Uh, this thing with Roman. I don't care. It's stupid. Uh, Cody is going with this thing with Roman. Mini, I'm trying to not think about it, Mikey. <laughs> Too bad, because I'm going to make you think about it, because you know what I'm about to say. This, I don't know what you're talking about, dude. This feud is continuing because subsequently. That's why I said I wasn't trying to talk about it. No, too bad. We have to talk about it because we're getting a rematch when we get these two again at Jeddah in South Saudi Arabia at Night of Champions. It's been confirmed. Because so, it's Saudi Arabia. They need I a Brock Lesnar at that show. I think Do Brock Lesnar wins this match. I want this to be over too, but I don't think it is. So do we think it was a botch or do you think it was a spot? So the thing I was reading was from Dave Meltzer. That it was, um, a, that that it was that on was, purpose. Yeah. Then okay. again, I anything by di that Dave Meltzer says I take with a pinch of salt cause... because on on Bleacher Report on I some other dude on YouTube whose name I just can't remember but he's a big deal as well. There's a few other folks that were saying it's a botch and here's why because when you watch Brock's head hit it, his head boom bounces off and it just splits way too much. Yep. And normally when you blade yourself, you're blading yourself in a different spot. I, I think it's. I think it was intentionally bladed that just went too far. Yeah. yeah. Because Brock, unless it was Brock doing the tough guy thing, I'm gonna run, jump, and break my face, which is probably something a meathead like that would do. <laughs> but I think what's great is all of a sudden, now we have this sort of controversy of did they call the match too soon? Was there a thing with blood? How come he called the one, two, three when his shoulder's clearly not on the mat, at least from that angle, but the cameraman switched it. There's some weird... Cody getting bloodlust and having blood all over his body is funny, though. And I didn't mean to laugh at it. I thought he was in the moment, though. <laughs> I was hey, like, that was cool. You know what? It was Thinking cool. About spots, it was like... The Cody Rhodes doing the San Santino, Mor Santino Morello run. That was Santino. so funny. Bye, yeah. yada. <laughs> he did the Santino run. I was Speaking... like, why is he... Why'd he do that? Oh, uh, side tangent... I saw Santino wrestle when I watched the Rebellion pay-per-view a couple weeks ago for Impact. Man still has it. I'm trying to find the... I'm looking for the bloody moment where he goes crazy. Oh, yeah. Cody grabs... rubs it on his chest. Yeah. So about halfway through the mat... Half, halfway towards the end with the blood part, Cody notices the blood on his hands and his stomach, wipes himself on it, gets all excited, wipes it in his hair, and then runs off the rope to <laughs> do the... <laughs> Oh, it's so funny to me. Oh I think goodness. I'm not sure I'm not I'm a white guy. Is you're not, there any you're not sure you're a white guy? What'd you say? <laughs> is, is there any correlation with like, extreme wrestling with Puerto, with like Puerto Rican with Puerto Rico? Is that like a thing like extreme wrestling? Is that a Oh like hardcore matches and stuff? Yeah, like hardcore, is that like a Yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh, I, that's probably exactly Even why in they Mexican did it. Lucha Libre, there's a lot of hard for I mean Same. in Mexican Lucha Libre, like their matches get it's not even an extreme match, but Lucha Libre matches, there's blood everywhere, especially when you have right. mask versus mask matches in Lucha yes, Libre in Mexico. That, like, like, that shit gets violent. Like the underground scene for rest for American wrestling is I'm going to hit you with 15 light bulbs and put you right. through like all the barbed wire and I'm going to make you bleed yeah. uh, like crazy. I know that's a thing that America's... In a, in a backyard next to an abandoned pool. I'm going <laughs> to put you... Yeah, I'm going to hit you, I'm gonna hit you in a, with a weed whacker yeah. that's running. That's, I want to like, say... 
because I did a deep dive on this accidentally. The, some of the original San Juan Street Fight or hardcore matches, there's fire in the ring. Above the ring. Mm-hmm. Fire. And at some moment, that drops. Boom! On the ground, and they're allowed to use it. I'm like, are you kidding me? I wonder if that's why they let Brock bleed, was to also pay homage to... It could be. The hardcore Puerto Rican scene. Yeah, but again, this match ended a lot. It like ended in a very weird way. Brock literally the has most, Cody in a submission hold, and then the Cody just it's a surprise roll up. This I'm remembering what I want to talk about. There's a moment here near the end where Brock and Cody are just looking at each other, and there's about 10 seconds of what do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? And they're just <laughs> looking at each other on the mat. I'm not even kidding. Hang on. Let me find it. I'll count this out for you. There's the one, two. Okay, so it's after the pin. All right, fine. So it's after the pin. Fine. I'll give it a little more credit. They stare. They're holding him up. They look at each other. One, two, three, four, five seconds awkward. Six seconds awkward. Seven. There's a good (laughs) 13 seconds of awkward here just looking at each other. Like, what just happened? What just happened? Like, staring. <laughs> and again, I feel like because this match was your main event, and I knew that we weren't going to get like a long match because Brock Lesnar nowadays can't last long in the ring. But, hi, old. Yeah. Not, but as any... as, not as long as little Vince. Hey, um, I'm still seven, too. <laughs> but yeah. And then, unfortunately, like I said earlier, we're not get this feud is not ending because we're getting the rematch at Night of Champions. And I'm hoping after that it's over, but I doubt it, which means that we're probably going to get a... Oh, it's money in the bank. I forgot. No. Well, don't put... Don't do no, that to no. the UK fans. I, I, no, I forgot that fucking money in the bank was after Night of Champions. Really, uh, really, no, really, it, quick, really quick, I just, I just want to point out that after the match, the Puerto Rican crowd gave... Brock Lesnar standing ovation. Oh yeah, yeah which was kind of which was really cool. I saw that too. Yeah, and Brock's sort of smiling, not wow, you you like me? Great, and then jumps yeah. around a little bit. Yep. That was a cool moment. Yep. And that and that goes back to that whole thing I said earlier about how there's the there's good guys and bad guys, but even but the booing is still cheering. Yeah, yeah. And, and if you look in the crowd, there's a lot of old school T-shirts in there. There's a lot of old school DX shirts. There's a lot of old school Raw shirts. And I WWE. was surprised. I was like, "Yeah, am I watching Raw's Raw War? Like Raw's War? Is that what we're watching right, right. now? Or is this the first? This point, is go ahead. Is this what WWE was like back in '97? What am I watching? Is this the first pay-per-view there in a long time? Did they ever state that? 18 years. They yeah. said. Wow. When was, Which is what, a damn shame. What was the last thing they did there? No way. I think it was like a raw show. It wasn't even a pay-per-view. 18 years ago? Damn. Yeah. That's, that's too long. Not for fans like that. You got to be going there every other year. That's the crowd you get. And I am in agreement with people on social media saying they should just have Backlash permanently always be in Puerto Rico uh, just because. It was New Year's Revolution in 2005. Damn. Wow. See, this is insane. This is that crazy. Would, that would be interesting if every if backlash is Puerto permanently Rico. in Puerto Rico. Yeah, that might I would be, be cool. I'm down with that. And despite the last two matches being meh, like overall, backlash was so much better than it had any right to be. And I don't want to say my expectations were low because I've initially viewed backlash as a filler pay per view. You can, you can say that. 
You can say that because the shit that we had been getting before Backlash has been lackluster. It was doo-doo. Yeah, so (laughs) it is totally fair to have had that thought of, eh, it's going to be a throwaway pay-per-view. Yeah. And then it turned out to be... This has entered literally my top three in no particular order pay-per-view of the year so far. And I'm just like, holy shit. But Wow, this was... Okay, I'm looking up the card from the New Year's Revolution. Damn. So here's here were the matches, right? So the first match was the Hurricane and Rosie versus Lay Resistance. If you guys remember oh. those guys. Holy where shit. Where Hurricane and Rosie won. Eugene and William Regal. Oh my god. Eugene and William Regal versus Christian and Tyson Tomoko for the tag team title. Oh, Eugene and Regal won. Wow. Here's, this one won't surprise you. This is crazy how long their careers because they're wrestling right now. Trish Stratus versus Lita for the Women's Championship. That there was a banger. That's how bad it was for the women wrestling back then. The match length was 3 minutes and 46 seconds. Yeah. Trish mm. Stratus won. The next was the Intercontinental title match between Shelton Benjamin, oh. he still wrestles, and Maven. Oh my Maven. Maven! Shelton Benjamin won. This one was, I was surprised when I saw this match. Muhammad Hassan <laughs> with Davery defeated Jerry Lawler with Jim Ross. Oh my god. This match was almost 11 minutes long. <laughs> I was not watching wrestling at this time. What the heck? Jim Ross? We yep. may have to go back and do it old school uh, watching. Yep. Kane versus Jeans. Snitsky. Kane and Snitsky. He's the one yeah. that punched the baby. Yeah, that guy. Uh... That match was almost 12 minutes long. That Kane won that one. And this was. And then the uh, the last match was an Elimination Chamber match for the World Heavyweight Championships with Shawn Michaels as a special guest referee. Who are uh, the, the participants? Triple H with Ric uh-huh. Flair. Versus Randy Orton, Batista, Chris Jericho, Edge, and Chris Benoit. Damn. Oh, shit. Yeah, I've seen Triple replays H- of that. Chris Triple Benoit? Yeah. <sighs> this, is, oh, this is 05. This is before he died. Oh, wow. damn. Yeah, and the poster had Batista, like a young Batista. Maybe, maybe I was still watching wrestling because I remember the booking of that. We have to find yep. this and rewatch it as, like, special. Yeah. So, yeah, it was January 9, 2005. San Juan, Puerto Rico, in the Coliseum. 15,764 people were there, and the buy rate for the pay-per-view was 270,000. Damn. We're doing, like, triple those numbers now. Yeah, but... Backlash needs to permanently be in Puerto Rico. I'm for that movement. They need some kind of permanent Puerto Rico something. Absolutely. I agree with that. It was beautiful. I gotta take a time out, because I gotta help my wife for Mother's Day. (laughs) Go for it. I went as long as I could, and now I gotta... I have to wrangle. So cut me out of the podcast. <laughs> yes. But thank you all. This is great. I missed catching up with you all. We're going to talk again soon and debrief. Indeed. Oh, definitely. Stay tuned because we got things planned. But see you later, my friend. I'll see you all soon. Bye. But overall, Backlash was such a great oh, time. That guy was gone. Damn. Damn, bro. Just kidding. I love you, John. And the other, we love both our Johns. Yes. All righty. So Backlash was great. So let's move on to the final thing. And this shouldn't take too long because at the time of this recording in two weeks, we have another big company doing their next big pay-per-view. AEW is having double or nothing over Memorial Day weekend. And uh, as much shit as I give WWE, because half the time, like 
the building to the stories and the match card for the pay-per-views are usually not the greatest. At least we know a little bit ahead of time what the matches are going to be. At the time of this recording, we only have one match announced for Double or Nothing, and that is for the AEW Championship with the Fatal 4-Way between champion MJF taking on Darby Allin, Jack Perry, not Jungle Boy, and Sammy Guevara. So literally the four pillars of AEW are having this Fatal 4-Way match for the main title. That match is going to be stellar. The problem is at the time of this recording, we're two weeks out from this pay-per-view, and we still don't have any other matches announced. Uh, I mean, at this point, we know we're going to get an Elite versus Blackpool <laughs> Combat Club match. And then we're hoping to get... God, I can't put my space on his name. The other half of the Golden Lovers that come in and join Kenny's side because he just had somebody betray him. Yeah, Don Cow's betraying Kenny. That was... We're going to... Ibushi. Kota Ibushi. Ibushi. I think he's going to come and help out. I feel like it's going to happen. We're going to get a five-on-five. Heyman, Adam Page, Kato Ibushi, and then the Hardys. The Elite. The Hardys are probably going to have well, a match. Probably because. Yeah. So okay, so let's talk about this because I think right now, for me personally, I think the match, the mat, the division that's in trouble for this pay per view because I don't know what we're gonna get. Like the women's division is having a really hard time right now because you have spent all these weeks building up the outsiders versus the AEW homegrown girls. And then I'm just like, but Jamie Hayter is the women's champion and you have her involved in like this gang warfare type shit. I think probably it's going to be Jamie taking on Soraya for the title at double or nothing. But I'm just like, this is a hot take. I'm over this storyline. I don't like this outsider versus aew girl storyline i feel like it's dragged on too long it hasn't been built very well i was like i know we're probably going to end up getting some sort of if anything i want this to be a blood and guts match between these women and then we're done and over with and everyone can move on with their lives but i'm just like i feel like it's dragged on for too long and it has done in my opinion it has done nothing to build jamie hater up as your women's champion like i gave shit when they didn't really do much with thunder rosa after she beat Britt for the title but i feel like jamie has gotten lost so much in this whole entire storyline and it makes me sad because i'm a, i love jamie hater <laughs> and then I think we're getting a rematch between jade and taya valkyrie for the tbs championship i still think taya oh, yeah. should have beat her Taya should have beat her like when they had that match, but we're going to get a rematch. I hope Taya wins. I love Jade, but I'm over her having this long reign. That's what I complained about at WWE because everyone wants to go for records. Now, what I am excited for, and I don't know if we're going to get this, but the House of Black versus the acclaimed and daddy ass. I'm like, give it to me right now. I would that be OK with cool. that because. Because the acclaimed and daddy ass, they won that battle, that trio's battle royal. That would be and cool. So, here's the thing, and this is my I biggest... I was so yeah. hard, I moved my mic. Scissor me, daddy ass. <laughs> God. I, don't I know, love That's going to be the fun sentence to hear from the podcast out of context. I think that should just be a out right there. I was scissoring so hard, I moved my mic. <laughs> so, a quick side story real quick, right? So... I'm going to put him on blast, but love Uriel to death, right? So when the acclaim, so I think I told you this story when we were in person, Minnie. So we're the acclaimed and daddy ass having the scissor me daddy ass was, has been a thing for a little bit, right? 
we Uriel and I just keep saying it because it's a fun thing to say. Lo and behold, finally, one day, like we're months into this whole gimmick with the acclaimed. And then he asked me, what does scissoring even mean? And I was like, do you really want to know the answer? And so when I explained it, he's like, oh, ew. I was just like, yep. yeah, no, we had that. We were talking about that when we were watching the ROH pay-per-view. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That was a moment I'll never forget. I but I'll have that video of boy breaking his ankle. Dante Martin, man, it's oh. crazy. Oh, that was so nasty. It was oof. It was so violent. But this is my biggest critique with AEW too, because the pay per views always have stellar wrestling. Like I all I know, I'm always gonna get good wrestling matches in these AEW pay per views. That's always a given, and that's why I watch because I'm I know that AEW will deliver in the wrestling department. But and this is the same critique I've had since like last year. They're built up to these pay-per-views with their storylines outside of the main AEW championship are little to non-existent like, and uh, all over the place. Uh, exactly. Phenomenal, but there's no story. Booking and storing is all over the place. We need to... After this, because this is going to be this is their big pay-per-view coming up, right? Yeah, so after Double or Nothing, I guess we can count all in at, from Wembley Stadium as their next big one, but if we're not counting that as the next big one, the next big one between Double or Nothing isn't until September. That's all out in Chicago. Oh, double or Nothing, they can take that one and then they can start to clean everything up. One, because, I mean, the AEW suffers from the unfortunate thing of overpopulation. Their roster's huge. They have such a big roster. They, they need to move a lot of these dudes in the RO, in ROH's streamlined thing because they're like partners, but not partners. It's weird. But it can work. They can move a lot of these dudes that they're not using into ROH. Some of these factions that aren't getting a lot of time into ROH and start pushing them over there. Then they can actually start doing these clean, cohesive stories and probably bring it somewhere. Right now, the writer, I think the writer's strike is still going on right now, so they're probably missing mm -hmm. a few writers. Yeah, that's a, that, that's a good question. Are the wrestling writers part of the wrestlers? Are the writers for the, all the wrestling programs part of the writer's guild that's on strike currently? Because that might be another reason why everything is so tits up, storyline-wise, in both AEW and NWE. I don't know. That's a good question. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. That is something that we're going to have to look into. But that would explain a little bit. But I'm not giving that as the sole reason. Because even before the writer strike, like I've had issue with AEW story building up to their pay-per-views. Because sometimes I'm just like, what are we doing? With Nick Khan, which is weirdly enough, WWE CEO confirmed that the writers do not fall under the WGA for WWE. Damn. Okay, there we go. I'll really quick, there are two matches currently for... Double or nothing? nothing. Yep. Okay, so, I was wrong. So it's the Four Pillars match. Uh, uh -huh. Which is going to be awesome. Yep, with MJF, Sammy Guevara, Jungle Boy, Darby Allen, and then you have FTR... Oh, that's right. Versus Jay Lethal and Jeff Jared. And Mark Briscoe as the special guest referee. That's also a feud. I was, I'm not really digging it right now. I was like, you brought FTR back and the first feud is with Jeff Jared and Jay Lethal. I'm like, okay. I don't know. I thought that whole fuck, that one bit that they did, what was it, last week? That video when they went to the Briscoe farm was actually hilarious. That was hilarious. I'm down for that goofy wrestling, man. I will say, shout out 
to the guns for having one of the coolest entrances I've ever seen. Can let, we talked about this briefly, but holy shit, when they had their championship match with FTR and they're like they're in Long Island at this point and they come out to fucking fifty cent and just that, the whole presentation, I'm like, this better be so, their entrance from now on. So simple yet so cool. Also, AEW is not effective because both sets of riders are non union. Uh, so they're not, they're not okay. the WGA. Damn. There we go. I was like, so you get no grace for me. <laughs> oh, yeah, AEW's writers just don't know what they're doing. Yeah, or they, they're kind of, they have too many projects going on. They're like, we have no idea what to do. Cause, so you got, yeah, you have the Wembley Stadium show coming up. But then you, you have, have Forbidden Door coming in June. Right. After All Out, Double or Nothing. So- both right. those events are not would be super hard to book because you just put all their big names right. in the big spots for both those events. It's all it's the live shows that suffer because there's not a lot of storytelling. So now here comes the what I feel in this situation is the X factor, and that uh, what is it AEW Collision, the new show? Yeah, starting in June. coming on Saturday, yeah. and it's and according to reports, like it's already guaranteed that CM Punk is going to be like your big draw, one of the big names there. And then from this past Wednesday, because we saw the return of Thunder Rosa, more importantly, we saw the return of Miro. So I think those two are also going to be a big part of Collision, too. So I'm just like, I'm excited for Collision, but I'm like, fuck, AEW, you have a lot of television. Is that that their third show? Okay, so right now, at the time of this recording, so Dark and Elevation on YouTube are done. So, like, it's not coming back. So currently, right now, they have Dynamite on Wednesdays, Rampage on Fridays, and starting in June is when it's the speculative start date. You'll have Collision on Saturday, which will be a two-hour show, according to reports. Now, I don't count Ring of Honor as part of their television because while it's underneath the AEW umbrella, like Ring of Honor, it just has a different feel for me as somebody who's watching this new version of Ring of Honor. So I don't include it, but... That's three out of the that's three shows and between those three and then the three shows I watch for WWE as well as Ring of Honor and Impact. I'm like, that's a whole week of wrestling. <laughs> We're spoiled totally, for choice, but holy shit, it's a lot. Because as much as we harp on WWE, their formula has worked for how long now? Definitely yeah. just split the brands, put people here, people there and make one of those shows a developmental show. And get writers for all of them, so it's all separate entities. So that might clean every that might clean everything up. Yeah, because I think the biggest problem is because AEW has such a big roster, and not everyone gets television time. Which I mean is understandable, but I'm just sitting here. I was just like, I agree with you, and I've heard some of the uh, like news outlets and some of the other podcasters that I follow, like Fightful and the Wrestle Talk Boys. Like, they have expressed that they don't like the idea of have AEW following the WWE model of splitting the brand. But in my opinion, I'm like, when you have a bloated roster, like, what else are you supposed to do? And I don't, people will say, oh, they're copy WWE, but if you split the roster, shit. And then if you want to, put some people in Ring of Honor while we're trying to keep it its own thing. The Ring of Honor roster right now is just... I don't want to say it's thin because you have a lot of returning Ring of Honor folks in there. But I think like some of the bigger names, like I thought Eddie Kingston being in Ring of Honor for a little bit was an excellent idea. 
shit, have three shows and make Ring of Honor your developmental show. I mean, I can see that. Personally, I wouldn't like that because Ring of Honor has such a big history of being like the top for independent and create and good wrestling. But like it's it's a new era for it. So, I mean, if you're going to do it now, would be the time to do it. You can still have a lot of your some big names there. I like what WWE does at NXT. Like you have Dolph Ziggler there for a while. Johnny Gargano popped up a great mm-hmm. wrestler. And there's great, there is phenomenal wrestling on it. There's arguably better wrestling on NXT than there is on some most main brand matches. Yeah, that so. is very true. Honestly, we saw because Stand and Deliver was was a lot better awesome. than I initially thought. Like it was great. And now hear me out. I think if we were going to make one of the AEW shows developmental, I would actually make Rampage your developmental show. Adolfo has share with your class. Yep, I just looked it up on on Wrestling News. And it looks like Rampage is expected to showcase more young talent, AEW Dark and Dark Elevation. And according to Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful Select, AEW Rampage, we're told, will become more resembling what WWF Heat once was. Damn. (laughs) I forgot about Heat. And honestly, if that's the direction they're going, I'm yeah, cool with that. All your younger talent that's not getting TV time, throw them over there, and there you go. They're not getting their TV time, they're getting their, they're getting their reps in. Yep. Like for me personally, give me more Sunny Kiss. I love Sunny Kiss. <laughs> and then you can split your older talent, your older, more established talent between Rampage, between Collision and the other one. And Dynamite, yeah. Dynamite, yeah. Me and Minnie have talked a lot, Adolfo, but what are your thoughts on the current state of AEW right now? And this can be anything, whether it be the upcoming Double or Nothing, just how the state of the television show has been going for the weeks of what you have been able to see. So I have been able, since starting with the Biconics, I have been able to watch more and more AEW. From a wrestling standpoint, I feel that AEW has better wrestlers and i know that a lot of people are gonna throw stones at me if they see me in the streets which is fine but that's my own this is my own personal opinion and that AEW just they have better wrestlers better matches i can honestly say that there hasn't been an AEW show that i've seen where i at the end i was like that was a waste of two hours or an hour of my life but story-wise it's. It seems like they have no fucking clue what they're doing. Having said that, with the third show coming out and with the Wembley Stadium pay-per-view coming out, it, it seems Tony... What the fuck's his name? Tony Khan. Tony Khan. Yeah, it seems like Tony Khan has some sort of vision and it seems like they're trying to right the boat, as it were. So, hopefully... And I think that's the only reason why I don't watch AEW as much as I watch WWE is because even though AEW has such great matches, man, holy cow, such great matches, WWE still fills that telenovela hole in my heart, storyline-wise. Although lately, with the brand split and the draft and all, that's been like up in the air as well, but still, there's still been more of a story over on the WWE side as opposed to the AEW side. I really do hope that AEW, they start solidifying. Because it's not that they don't have any story. 
it just seems like they're all just and literally yeah. like zoidberging it <laughs> exactly and they have all these stories going everywhere i'll tell you what that blackpool combat club storyline that they have going right now i think that's really cool where they're like what's his daniel daniel o'brien danielson is calling everyone amateurs and they're just like wrecking people and look they're like searching for their ultimate the, they're searching for wrestlers that are on the same level as them i like i think that's a cool story like i had said earlier i think that the uh, that that briscoe storyline who's going to be the better friends storyline like for, for as goofy as that is that's entertaining to me but that's that's it I dig, I totally dig the heat between MJF and Darby and Darby Allen. I totally dig that heat, especially that one promo when Sting came out, when MJF and Darby were going at it and then Sting comes Sting's out. promo was so great. That it was, was funny, but it also well, kicked a lot of ass. <laughs> yeah, so I thought that heat was really cool. I'll be perfectly honest, and maybe it's because I've missed some shows, but I'm not really sure where Jungle Boy and the other guy fit into this whole four pillars. Like, I know that they had wrestling matches to, like, like a tournament style to get into this match. But, but it's Darby's yeah. getting a lot of shine when in this feud, Again, which like, makes me believe I think he's taking the pin in this match. <laughs> right. Again, like, story-wise, why are these other two guys here? You know what I mean? And excuse me, I totally burped. So I will again. I will do this for editing, Mikey. Three, two, one. Why are these two other guys here? <laughs> nah, we're keeping the burp in. <laughs> but like at the same time, though, like I know that match. I know that four pillars match is gonna be a fantastic match. I just, what's the story to it? I'll be perfectly honest. One of my current favorite wrestler. Is on AEW, and that's a the the Viking. Yo, that dude. He's not even an AEW star, and that's that goes to the point because I they're know. bringing all this outside talent, and I love seeing El Hijo de Vikingo, but he's AAA's champion. Now, granted, this works in a Forbidden Door situation if you want to, but you're bringing in this outside talent from New Japan and from AAA. And even from the British scene, and I'm just like, it, we're getting some fun matches, but right, and, and they're like flash in the pan, and then that's and it, this that, is yeah. I feel that speaks well, to my point. Like, I thought that he was just like an AW undercarder. I didn't realize that he was part part of a whole different separate whole, like promotion. Yeah, promotion. he's triple. He's triple A's like top champion, and that's the big that's the big promotion in mexico so i'm just like so i know so he's so good dude he's 26 yes he's 20, he's the same age Rhea ripley him are the same age look what they're doing at 26 years old i know they're putting on like classics it is criminal that they are but again adolfo it goes to your point too like we get some amazing matches like kenny versus el hijo was great commander versus el hijo was fucking phenomenal like him versus El Gringo Loco in Ring of Honor was such a phenomenal match, but they're not signed to AEW. Right. These are outside talent, and then you have this big roster, and outside of your top guys like Blackpool Combat Club, the elite, like 
outside of them, it's like everyone else is lost in the shuffle, which is why, and this is a side tangent, I was excited when I heard that your trio's champion, House of Black, now they're enacting like their own set of rules for the trio's championship, which is like the House of Black rules. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Bandito and Best Friends versus yep. the House of Black was so great. And I love that that at every show that House of Black is at, they have a standing challenge, but you're playing on their rules. I think that's cool. The other wrestler that I really enjoy, I would say right now is my number two, is fuck Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy so, is so criminally yeah. underrated. It's, <laughs> oh my gosh. See, here's the thing. I knew that Orange can go like that, but I think what solidified it for me and for people who don't take him seriously is Matt. I still think this match from last year is still on my radar of like ones that I will go back and rewatch because it was so phenomenal. When he took on Will Osprey at Forbidden Door last year, that match was so fucking good. And honestly, if we don't get this match soon for Forbidden Door because of what happened this past Wednesday on Dynamite, I will take Orange Cassidy versus Kyle Fletcher of Aussie Open for that international championship would be great. But honestly, like, Orange Cassidy is so good. And see, here's the thing, because people are like, oh, I'm tired of seeing Orange defend this title. But he's defending the title almost every single week against yeah. a variety of opponents. And for me, that never gets boring. <laughs> and all the matches are entertaining as hell. And I'm sorry. I'm with it. I dig it. I dig it. I dig Orange Cassidy. I'm fine with him defending his belt. Do I think that it might be getting close to time for some shenanigans to happen? Again, to like forward some some sort of story that he loses his belt. Yes, but there's no real story going on right now with him. It seems like the the story is different from from episode to episode of of the show for sure but he's great i and whoever says orange cassidy doesn't know what he's doing in the ring who on you person (laughs) forget about it honey i gotta remind me i gotta show you an orange cassidy match i love you okay I love Alice. She has become such she has become such a fun like side staple to this podcast. Her the little commentary she gave while it, the during the draft was so fun. It was so fun. I'm excited for next year, man. Honestly, okay. So this is breaking Yes. Okay. So for the listening audience, this is breaking news cuz we've been t- we talk behind the scenes. The five of us here are all friends, but at the moment we are all planning to, we are all saving up and we're planning to all go to WrestleMania 40, which is in the city of Philadelphia, together April of 2024. And uh, as of right now, we're trying to do what I have dubbed the gauntlet of WrestleMania weekend, which includes the SmackDown Go Home show, Stand to Deliver, both nights of WrestleMania 40, and the Raw after Mania, which hopefully isn't doo-doo like it was this year. I'm still not over how pissed I was that me and Minnie wasted our, my, our three hours of time watching that Raw after Mania this year. This hey, is garbage. The pizza was good, though. The pizza was good, but I was so pissed. I was like, this is what we were waiting for. But that's like, the breaking news. The plan is like, all of us are going to be all together. All of us together in one spot is going to be the most yeah. chaotic thing ever. 
might yeah. bring still bring the I might bring the Lucha mask. Yes, please do. And this is how serious I am. I'm so serious. Totally gonna take it and go with Lucha time. You know, I, you know how crazy I am with this mask. I picked my best friend up and I was playing. What's the song from Nacho Libre? Oh, uh, what, that's what, one of the popular songs from Nacho Libre. I was playing. I was blasting that in my car, <laughs> and I'm looking at him with the Lucha mask on. And he was so confused. He had no idea what was going on. <laughs> I love doing that, but yeah, that's the breaking news. We're all plant Biconics like trip to WrestleMania 40, and we got uh, between now and then we got some time to save, and we're working on the details as we're going along. But that is definitely something in my pocket. But speaking of pay per views, I would like to end this episode really quickly because at the time of this recording, when it comes out, we'll be past it. But I definitely go recommend Memorial Day weekend has a shit ton of pay per views. And your lead co-host here is probably going to end up watching all of them when he gets back from his trip to San Diego. But to run down the pay-per-views and I guess the main title, the main event match for each of these. On Friday, May 26th, you have Impact's Under Siege pay-per-view where the main bout will most likely be your Impact World Champion, Steve Macklin, taking on the Canadian Frankenstein himself, PCO, in a no-DQ match. On Saturday... On, no, yeah, on Saturday, May 27th... No, it's this... Never mind, I take that back. I have to look at my calendar, I forget, but that's Friday. And then on Sunday, the 28th of... May, you have two pay-per-views going on each other at the same time, which I don't know why. But first and foremost, you have NXT Battleground, where the main event is Carmelo Hayes defending the NXT Championship against Braun Breaker. So Carmelo versus Braun round two, which should be fun. But then, of course, at the same time happening, you have AEW's Double or Nothing happening. <laughs> Happening in Las Vegas, where your main title, where your main event is going to be the Four Pillars Fatal Four Way for the AEW Championship, MJF versus Darby Allen versus Jungle Boy versus Sammy Guevara. Which, regardless of how the build has been going, that match is going to slap so hard. And when we come back for the next episode, that honestly, that will be our main focus. We will talk about Double or Nothing because I want people to. Th- know that we watch all the wrestling and not just we're not just AEW and we're not just WE shills we watch all the wrestling and we will talk about double or nothing and then we'll talk about some future plans we have because behind the scenes we're working on our first summer iconic summer experience where we're going to be doing a lot more watch alongs and things like that so stay tuned for those episodes but I think this that's a pretty good point to stop. We we covered a lot this episode. <laughs> yeah, we did. A lot's happened. A lot has happened between the the months that we record these things, but that is going to conclude another episode of Biconics. When we return next time, we're going to begin the episode by giving JVL so much shit because he missed an excellent episode. How dare he be a good person and Mother's Happy Day and all that? Hey, I was celebrating Mommy's Day by doing a wrestling podcast. Talking about Mommy, what you mean? Yeah. That's very true. Rhea Ripley is my mommy, and I love her. But when we come back for next episode, we will be covering AEW's Double or Nothing. And then next episode, I definitely want to talk about a little bit of Night of Champions because the main event match for that has had me some questions. Yep. Yep. But we will talk about that whole thing next episode. But... 
Until then, thank you so much for tuning in to the Biconics Wrestling Podcast. Remember, from all of us here at the Biconics and Bytri Productions, take care of yourself, love one another, and as always, mommy forever. <laughs> See you later. Yeah. Thank you so much for tuning in to another Vibe Tribe production. What's going to happen next time? Well, you're going to have to tune in to find out. But until then, remember, audio podcast land, take care of yourself, love one another, and as always, make sure that you keep the good times rolling. Thank you for being here, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.